The Legend of Zelda. Experience the challenge of endless adventure. Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. Guys, today, a little bit of a big one, if you know, if I dare say so. It's a special day. It's a special day for good games. Aw. Yeah. Right? Like, it's always I, nice when you have one that you've heard good things about before you go into it. I yeah, have absolutely. heard of Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> Zelda's, a, Zelda's kind of hard to have not heard about at this point, right? Yeah. Um, I think, like... You know, your mom probably thinks that you play a Zelda, but she still knows what Zelda is. And I think like that's like that's a test. Right. You don't you know? play a Zelda. You don't play a Zelda. No, you play as Link. <laughs> you, um, Zelda's right. the name so, of the sword. Sean is not finding that out just now. <laughs> I, 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 that was low hanging fruit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, we should talk about that. I guess like you know our experience with Zelda going into this way. Like you know, listeners know where each of us are at. Uh, I'll go last. So Sean, tell us a little bit about like. You know, what you know of the Legend of Zelda series, if you've played any of the games, I'm interested. So I, um, I, this is the first time I've played this game, and the only Zelda game that I've played any significant portion of, of, uh, prior to this was Breath of the Wild. Um, I had heard of it, um, I was, I had a, a Super NES, but I never had, like, the Zelda game that came out for that one. Which you are, were like the perfect um, experiment for this because you played only Breath of the Wild yeah. and only the that's Legend really of Zelda. That's really interesting. And yeah. they also did say that they used influence from this game and that game. Yeah, so I, I mean, and, yeah. and there's a lot of that, and we'll talk about that yeah, later in the I episode. Figure. But I think like that's just that's a very interesting case study that you've become. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Joe. Yeah, in my in my childhood days of playing only my NES, even though I didn't realize I was very behind the times, I used to think, like, man, it would be amazing if there was a game that let you go anywhere. Like, I honestly used to think, like, but that's impossible. Like, I, I don't know why I didn't know about this game, but I was I was pretty limited to what I found at garage sales and stuff. You know, I was, like, six years old. Sure, but, yeah, and no, um, one's, no one's giving away their copy of The Legend of Zelda. Exactly, exactly. You're getting, like, um... You're getting a lot of gumshoe. I played mostly <laughs> Super Mario Brothers and a bunch of other really bad games that I would play until I went back to Super Mario Brothers. But um, I did eventually discover The Legend of Zelda in high school. Um, and I, I played it, you know, I never, I hadn't beaten it, but I played it, you know, significantly and I really loved it. And it, it like made me, it makes me sad that I don't have nostalgia for it. Like I wish that I grew up with this game. But, okay. Um, but I didn't. All right. Sam. All right. I grew up with this game. Uh, my first one was Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, which we got at the same time uh, from a used game store. That's a good way to get, you know, the two yeah. big games at once. Never ended up beating Majora's Mask because of the whole time mechanic just stressed me out way <laughs> too much. And I tried playing it again with my friend in college and we got pretty far. We got to the last uh, dungeon and then we died once and we said, oh, we'll pick this up later. And then we never did. Um, uh, but Ocarina I love I think it's a great game uh, 
Then I think I got Minish Cap after that, and that one's actually really solid. That's one of my favorite ones, I think. Yeah, made by Capcom. Yeah. Uh, not Nintendo, so that's, like, uh, an interesting way to see, like, how a different yeah. party would handle And I know, like, some people now have floated the idea of, like, well, if Ubisoft's going to get a chance to make, like, Mario games, maybe give them a chance to make, like, a Zelda game. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Mm, I, like, I don't know about Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we just give Zelda that tower. Yeah. And I'm like... Right. Uh, <laughs> what else we got? So, uh, Ocarina... Majora's Mask, uh, Twilight Princess. I got up to, I think, the penultimate battle versus Zant, and it was the same thing where I said, oh, I'll get back to this later. Like, I, I'm up to the fight. I'll like, wait and then play it when I'm feeling it, and I never felt it. Um, uh, we got... You don't uh, have to the, give me the chronological rundown, but, like, Legend yeah, of Zelda. Legend What's... of Zelda is, is great. I yeah. love it. One of, my favorite, one of my favorite games. I love the atmospheres of all the dungeons. Um, and just the the feeling of exploration and everything. I have Breath of the Wild now, and I spent most of my time just like wandering around. I didn't even beat all the dungeons yet. I nice. just keep wandering around. I grew up with the N sixty four, so we got we had Super Mario sixty four at launch, and we played that for like forever. And then in the Christmas of ninety eight, we got Ocarina of Time with the gold cartridge, and I just remember thinking like, oh, this is like the next big thing. For video games, because all I had ever really known was a big game like Super Mario 64, which, of course, oh, now I thought you is... meant, like, gold cartridges. <laughs> yeah, 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 gold yeah. cartridges are going to be huge. Uh, no, and I remember Ocarina of Time, just for, like, the longest... Like, I think I played that game so much that the guidebook that we got with it is now completely in pieces. Like, you open it up, and there's, like, maybe seven pages left still intact in the binding. <laughs> but it's a crazy game for, for me, just because there was so much, like exploration and all of these different things that you can do. But meanwhile, like to, you know, serious Zelda fans, it was like a step backwards because it was very linear in some respects. Like, yes, you could still go to like when you're an adult link, you can go to like the water temple or the fire temple, maybe and do them in different order. But going back now and playing like the original legend of Zelda, which I first did in like 2014, uh, which is just because like I didn't really have an NES until that time. So, of course, Zelda was on my list. And going back to it, I was like, wow, this is really different than every other Zelda game. And I've played a ton of Zelda games. This is really different than everything that came after it. And I wasn't sure how that made me feel, but we'll get into that in the podcast. <laughs> so, guys, uh, Legend of Zelda released in 1986 in Japan, 87 for the U.S., and both have the ability to save. Japan, this is a, finally an interesting Whoa, time yes. for us with the ability to save our games. But Japan, this was supposed to be a launch, um, a launch game for the Famicom Disk System, and uh, it did not wind up becoming that. But uh, it is saves on the disk drive, and then they actually inc- incorporated a battery into the NES cartridge so that we can save over here. This is a Miyamoto and Tezuka joint, and if you remember, <laughs> both those names are the Super Mario Brothers guys. And that's not surprising at all, because they worked on Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda at the exact same time. Whoa. In wow. fact, Legend of Zelda was started before Super Mario Brothers. Dang. Because Super Mario Brothers was more of like a swan song for the cartridge uh, based thing. They thought that was the end of cartridges. You know, they were like, oh, we got to make one last game for cartridge <laughs> games. And little did they know about the N64 <laughs> 10 years later. But they're like, we got to make one last game. And so they figured, well, let's use our mascot, Mario. You know, <laughs> like that's how Super Mario Brothers came out. Legend of Zelda was actually like a much bigger and planned attack on like 
how are we going to introduce game, you know, like this new generation of gamers to RPGs? And while Zelda is known for its music, uh, which Koji Kondo has pretty much always done, he also did the music in this one. But I, I don't know if it's as like there's not as many tracks as say like how I felt about um, Metroid. You know, mm-hmm. the game we covered last week, there was a lot more like music involved with atmosphere. I think this is really just like with the exception of the two main tracks, there's not much else going on. And so you kind of have like this overworld theme and this dungeon theme and they're nice and iconic now, but they looped over and over and over again. So yeah, I would say at least the dungeon theme isn't like grading in the same way that the uh, the adventurous overworld theme was okay, <laughs> a, little, a little cheerful. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I I noticed that too. That was one of like, it's funny because like it's so forgivable to me, right? Like, right yeah. it's so big, but that is one of the things I noticed was like there's the same for most of the dungeons, exact same music, and the overworld always the same music. I think it, yeah, and, and the funny thing is, is I think that comes about because they were originally using like music that was in the public domain for at least mm-hmm. Japan. And they in Japan, the way the public domain worked at that time, I don't know if it still works this way, but you basically as long as the composer has been dead for 50 years, then you have access that that music goes into the public domain. So Nintendo checked and it was the month of release for the Famicom (laughs) Disk System version. They checked the the death of this composer and it was 49 years and 11 months. And they said, we can't wait another month and we're not going to risk it. So they asked uh, Koji Kano to to pretty much compose those things like that night. Oh, wow. (laughs) Do we know like what song was going to be the Zelda thing? It's a, it was a classical um it was a classical piece. I I sure I can link it in the show notes. I don't have it on me right now, but I Interesting. It, the name of it did not ring any bells to me, you know, nothing like iconic that like everyone in the right. world would recognize as like this classical. Going it's on funny here. too cuz I mean, I don't know, Sam, maybe you know more about this than I do. I don't know anything about music, but it seems like they would have to there have to be somebody there, you know, making it into an you know yeah, an NES soundtrack yeah. and make sure that it sounds okay still <laughs> right and right it feel, almost feels like at that point you might as well just get someone to <laughs> hire someone to just make a song rather than adapt it from yeah you know, I mean it would but, all be scored but it would be it's still a process to program it I don't know how they did it the way that I do chip tunes now there's like software yeah, for yeah, a tracker they, that someone made mm-hmm. but I'm assuming it was a lot more complicated back then yeah I assume it was more like you know. Um, you know, they were actually like writing out what, you know, like on a on a score sheet or something like that. What, you know, the music like Kondo would do it that way. And then a programmer would know how to like, yeah, you know, right. put that in. Right, I don't yeah. think I was Kondo just, himself, I don't think I he was, was just actually that, programming like, it. If you go, if you do that, like one to one like that, it might just not sound good in the other format. But yeah, so, uh, you know, that's all we really have to say about the music. Uh, I would like everyone to break out their manuals. This way we can talk about the manual of the game. All right, and if uh, everyone listening didn't follow Mike's instructions, then I, you may as well just stop listening right now. Right, because, uh, no, we'll make this, we'll make this work. (laughs) It is true, though, like, you know, you kind of, to talk about all the awesome things that are in this manual, you're going to probably want to pull it up, and I did put a link in the show notes for you guys, but if you don't have access to it for whatever reason, we'll try to make this accessible. (laughs) 
But the reason why, you know, we don't usually do a manual section. Usually Sam just gives us some brief notes <laughs> on cool parts of the manual, and then Joe mentions how cool the pause sounds are. <laughs> uh, but the reason why we're doing a manual section for this one is this is actually a game that was, like, crucial to have a manual, in, in the American version at least, because if you think about it, this game really just drops you into its world and yeah. says, go do it. So the manual is kind of like... In some ways, if you were in the Legend of, you know, if you were in Hyrule, you if you came across this manual, it would help because it would have a map and it would have like some instructions. Like this is really what gave players a sense of like what to do. Yeah, I so, felt. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I felt like when I first opened it up, it was like a D and D like manual yeah, yeah. or something. It's like yeah, here's I the mean, map it's, and it's here's massive. how it works. And he, yeah, it's huge. So, so what are what are like some standout things for you, Sam, on this manual? Like, um, I, I I love that enemy art. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I I thought that I mentioned this before. The picture of the Octorok is the most metal I've ever seen a Zelda enemy. I think you, they don't look anything. It's so different than what they look like in the game, and also so different than what we know them as now. Like, if you look at the uh, Ocarina of Time Octoroks, they're, they're like you know they're kind of cute. It, it yeah. Compared to these things, yeah, th- yeah, this guy looks like he belongs almost in the Metroid universe. You know, like one of Mother Brain's assistants or something like that. Uh, the the enemy art in general it, it feels kind of D and D. Yeah. Um. Or if not D and D, it feels more like belonging to Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. which I yeah, think is yeah. interesting because Final Fantasy hasn't quite come yet. Uh, I think Final Fantasy will come uh, in late '87 for Japan and doesn't come to us until 1990. So sorry, Final Fantasy fans, <sighs> that episode's a while away. But um, yeah, so there, there's a bunch of different tips in here about how to use items and stuff like that. Um, there's even a section on like a story. The story got me. Yeah, the story like, is pretty like crazy. A back lore essentially that, uh, and they kind of give you that. In the in the startup screen, there's like a little like <laughs> yeah, but six sentences like, yeah. yeah, but this is this is a lot better. Some heavy has, stuff yeah, yeah, it has a neat like um, some, some great visualization of yeah. the map. Yep, uh, those illustrations are nice too because that art is kind of like a link that we never see anymore. No, mm-hmm. yeah, isn't he? He's got like. Uh, some really good sideburns. I, f- I remember. Yeah, yeah. He's got some good sideburns, uh, and also like he's he's a very small little boy. Like <laughs> I can't imagine this guy, you know, Link being any older than like eight, right? Like eight's got to be the cap on how old Link is in this game. Yeah, no, I'd say eight. Looking at these pictures, the, the sideburn. Okay, I'm on page nine. If you, if everyone will, will flip to page nine, I'm on page nine. <laughs> um, when he's sort of diving into that uh that catacomb doorway, um, that's where I, I feel it looks like he's got sideburns, and I would just say he looks like a very short twenty uh, four year old man. Yeah, I mean, and like, also, I mean, he's an elf, so like we don't know what well, they're what they're There are no elves. He's a Hylian, yeah. right? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There man. are no elves, and also he's never <laughs> been a Kokiri, and I don't think that there are Kokiris in this game. No. Like yeah, thank you for <laughs> thank you guys for making yeah, this an, an instructional thing for Zelda, <laughs> non-Zelda fans. Uh, Kukiris are just basically like they they live in the Lost Woods, which in this game they don't live in the Lost Woods. The Lost Woods <laughs> yeah. is desolate. But also, like we should talk about that for a brief second because the manual doesn't even explain this. Everyone died here. Like only Zelda is left. Like not everyone. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there are the people who live in the caves. Yeah, and they say that in the manual. It's like they say that not everyone is dead. 
And that there are people who live in caves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam, the Manuel Smith, for that uh, that adjustment. And that is true. I love the the guys in the caves because they range from everything from like merchants mm-hmm. to like just giving away stuff because like you're you know you're yeah. the last hope to and then just straight up being like, hey, fix that door. <laughs> you just you just broke into my cave. Like, <laughs> give me money to pay for that door. Also, in the manual, it says like, don't get ripped off and don't like buy stuff from people when they ask for too much. Because there are some places where it's just really expensive to buy things, and they're like, don't buy too much expensive stuff. And this isn't like Kid Icarus, where you can shout into your uh, Famicom controller to haggle the prices. Not for that. Don't get I forgot that. about that. Oh, my God. But you can shout into the Famicom controller to get rid of those other enemies. For, in, in Zelda, you're talking in, about? In Legend of Zelda, those cat head or bunny head looking enemies. Oh, yes, yes, them, right? yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and that's oh, what yeah. So they could have added the haggling feature. Right, right. Sorry, not it, but Sean, not in the NES version. Okay, yeah. There's no only microphone. The Japanese yeah. Version, yeah. It's similar to, uh, I think you could also um, use the warp whistle that way, or maybe I'm misremembering that, but I thought you uh. could use the warp whistle by blowing into the microphone <laughs> as well. Don't quote me on that. Anyway, I think that the I think that the manual is worth looking at for the illustrations, but obviously, guys, the big hook is that the manual also came with a giant map of just what you need to get started. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Like, like yeah. this isn't a map that spoils the entire game for you. It doesn't tell you where dungeons 6, 7, 8, and 9 are. It doesn't even mention a dungeon 9. Right. Like, it just says, like, here's enough that just in case, and they even actually have, in if you get, like, a brand new copy, which Nostalgia did not get, but if you got, like, a brand new copy of this game and opened it up for the first time in 87... When you open it, the map is actually contained in, like, a small little package that says, like, kind of like, and this isn't verbatim, but, like, don't break this seal <laughs> unless you desperately yeah, need like the help. Break, in case of emergency, break Right, right, glass. exactly. Like, like, only use this map as a last resort, and I think that's, like, a testament to how much they trusted gamers to, like, use, you know, use, like, judgment on whether it was time to use the map. Like, okay... They've given me this much information just in the manual, but I still haven't necessarily found the first dungeon, you know? Like, I think it's time for me to open that map, you know? Whereas, like, if you're finding enough things, chances are you don't need that giant map to to get through the rest of the game. That's been the manual section, guys. You can uh, fold those bad boys up now. (laughs) Turn the page. Put them away. Okay, guys. This isn't like a pop quiz or anything like that, but can anybody tell me the state of RP or role playing games in general before Zelda comes out it's on the NES? Rough. Yeah, like like how are you how are you how are you RPGing? Um, you are how okay, so you mean just if, like what sort of uh, what's the medium? Yeah, what's the medium? What's the mechanics? Like, like on the NES, is is it happening? Like, what's going on? I, I think that the, this is a you should still be on tabletop if you want an actual RPG experience uh, in this day and age. Um, you basically have uh, very minimal in- inventories, uh, very low effort stories. Just, I guess, experience is just coming into its own. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would feel like they would try and like. Try and almost emulate what's happening on like on like a PC, like a text-based adventure, which always is very bad on an NES. <laughs> like you know, where you got to kind of use like a an arrow and everything. You know, it's just I, I feel like they would 
they would try and be very text-based. Yeah, I mean, RPGs at this point, you know, like pre, pre-Zelda, are, are not really happening on consoles, and if they are, they're happening in the examples that we talked about, like a, like a Rygar, where it's like, it's mostly an action-adventure game with like some fun right. RPG elements. Yeah. Uh, the real RPGs are happening on, on tabletop, you know, uh, D&D is a huge thing that is, people are hearing about in Japan, there's a lot of success and stuff like that, but also... In Japan, computer gaming is a big thing. Uh, in America, you know, certain people who are like diehard computer gamers will tell you that computer gaming was big, you know, in America too, but not on the same level. And so in Japan, they were much more experienced with like RPG, like, you know, RPG games on the computer. And so Miyamoto actually wanted to find a way of like, well, RPG games are starting to become this popular genre. So how does Nintendo tackle it, you know? What, is, what can they do? And I think that they find a happy medium here with Zelda. Like, how how RPG do you guys feel like this game is? There is no experience points. Well, this is the most RPG game we've played so far. Okay, you're going on record with that. I, I, I'm i going to, yeah. Okay, no, yeah, I, I, I'm I not saying you're wrong. I don't think I would, I would fight you on that. I think that this is, yeah, there's there's no experience points, but but you feel like, Almost in a more organic way, you feel like because of what you've collected and because of the parts of the adventure you've gone on, you got a new sword, you got a new, you know. Yeah, I mean, we're not quite at quest design yet, but we still have, uh, we we still have upgrading your gear. Like I feel like the heart containers are a wave experience. Um, you've got um, non-linear uh, progression. Yeah, you can choose any which way you want to go. All of the dungeons in the game, with the exception of like two that you need a specific item to get to, are available to you right from the start. You're not supposed to go there, and it's going to be very tough for you, but the game isn't saying, hey, you can't go here. So what, I mean, I'm not saying that you were implying this, but do you have a game that we have played so far that that you would consider more RPG like No, I think this is definitely like I think this is controversial, but in terms of like the timeline for right now in video gaming, Zelda is an RPG. You know, like at this point in video gaming. Nowadays, like, Zelda is not an RPG. It's almost like or I wouldn't even call it a JRPG. It's oh, its no, own no, no. it's its yeah. own category. Well, it's really, like it's a like, third person action game. Uh, but are they action games really like 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 I think of third party action games as third person action Wait, what'd you third say? Third-person yeah. action Third-person action games. I think it was more as, like, you know, an Assassin's Creed or, like... Yeah, um, but they weren't always like that. I think Like an Uncharted. I, but yeah. even, all right, so even, like, the new Assassin's which I haven't played, but even the new Assassin's Creed, is that not, like, a third-person action game with RPG elements? I don't know. Uh, I haven't played Assassin's Creed since Black Flag, but I would say that there are some RPG elements right. insofar which, as yeah. I think most action games now have borrowed as much RPG elements... Right. Uh, as they have like games about around this time. I right. agree. I think like with the exception of platformers yeah. nowadays, it's like almost every game has like some RPG like elements it. involved yeah. in it. Yeah. And uh, I feel like it, that's where this would land comparing it to everything now. I like, think, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think kind of where I, where I was trying to say is like, you know, how, like when we talk about Pokemon, it's like, is that an RPG? It's like, no, it's a Pokemon game. Yeah. Like, that's how I feel about Zelda. It's like, no, it's not like, that's not a genre. That's just a Zelda thing. No, like, I think Pokemon And there are Zelda-likes. Squarely a corner of the RPG uh, Interesting. So you would ecosphere. call that a JRPG. You would call Pokemon a JRPG. I would not. I think JRPGs are different. I think the RPG is a very all-encompassing and, like, people have been fighting about this for decades. Right. Like, that's why I thought it'd be fun yeah, to bring yeah, a talk yeah, conversation. I, I, yeah. I do think that Pokemon falls squarely in RPG territory. If you want me to be honest, I think at the end of the day, as long as it's 
called a video game. It's fun. I don't care what genre <laughs> right. you want to put it into. You know, it's like, yeah. I, like yeah. I really don't care. I was just more being like a semantics thing here. Uh, no, no, I, and I, I dig I it. I think that like, I'm you all know, about genres. Ze- yeah, exactly. Zelda has created like its own thing. And it's funny how like the Zelda games today, with the exception of the new Breath of the Wild, the, the Zelda games today aren't really like this first Legend no, of Zelda game. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm saying like for, for right now, where we put Legend of Zelda like on the timeline, this is an RPG game. Yeah. You know, like this is, it could be its own thing too. It could just be, this is Zelda. Mm-hmm. This is all I know, right. you know, and that works too. So, uh, I mean, I you get to name your character. So, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's you right. do. <laughs> I even, re- I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that is something that I yep. just kind of looked over. You get to name the character and you can, uh, name the character Zelda and unlock yeah. an entirely new, right. uh, section of the game. But we'll get into that later. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the game now because we've kind of been skirting the obvious topics here. So the game itself. Yeah. The game itself here. Let, let's just talk about the sense of adventure in this game. You, you get dropped off. In the middle of nowhere, essentially, to you, you know, you don't know where you are in the map yet. And you have no weapons. What are your guys' thoughts right now? I mean, I I love the fact that every screen, it feels like, it just, like the world just exists around you. It doesn't feel like it exists for you or to, like, push you in a direction. It feels like this is the way the world is. This is the way this screen is. And you just have to deal with it. You don't have a sword. Like, you better go find a sword. Like, it makes it feel more like an experience that's happening to you. Like You know what I mean? Like, you're navigating a world that it would exist with or without you. Is giving, is giving the player the sword, like, if, if you would have started with the sword, would that have been bad game design? I think that for the sake of this game, it would go kind of contrary to what they're going for. Like, I feel like this game is all about kind of guiding the player in a certain direction and then letting them go. Like, for me, when I would go to a screen and there would be tons of enemies on that screen, and I only have three hearts and I'm just starting out, I would just turn around. You know, right, because you like, know I, you're not going to yeah, last yeah. In, in that. And, that and that's cool, knowing that... In, but if I got a sword from the beginning, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kill stuff because I have a sword and I feel strong. Um, but that's not what happens when you get the sword. When you get the sword, it's the guy says it's dangerous to go alone. So, I mean, this is something, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think giving you the sword would have been bad game design, but I think it's much better game design to not yeah. give you. Yeah, the I sword. think I was gonna say exactly what you just said. Um, I I don't know how I would have approached this game if I had if it didn't have if it's if its reputation didn't precede it as it does. Like, if I went in a direction and there were a lot of enemies, I probably would have just thought, like, well, it expects me to beat all these enemies now because yeah. it's, like, right next to where I started mm-hmm. or only a couple screens away. But, no, I think that uh, that choice, while it's not for, it's not exactly a negative if it didn't exist, like, the choice of not giving you a weapon, it does sort of condition you to say, like, hey, you're not going to be... You're not going to be given anything like, I mean, yeah, there's some it's it does sort of there's an invisible hand guiding you in a way. But by and large, you are just sort of on your own. Yeah, I think I I hard agree with the idea that like not giving the player the sword show like teaches a it's almost like a tutorial in some ways. Getting the sword is like the only tutorial in the game because it's telling you like you need you need to find items. You need yeah. to explore. You need to enter caves. You need to look like you need to look for this right. stuff. This yeah. is what because, this game is, right? Is because this is how you're gonna get around in this world. And I think if you start with the sword, your your next thought isn't necessarily 
well, what should I get next? You know, it's where should your first thought is where should I go next? Right. Whereas when you don't have the sword, immediately you need something to do. You're going to go out one screen if you don't go into that cave for whatever reason. You're going to go out <laughs> to another screen. You're going to find enemies. You're not going to be able to do anything. And then you're going to think like, I got to go, you know, like I got to go find a weapon, right? Like that's the cool thing about not giving the player the sword. Yeah. I will say this. This is just a funny thing, though. I say that that would work, but I'm also the same idiot that got Pokemon Blue in uh, 98 and couldn't figure out how to start that game because I didn't go into the grass because I was told not to go there. (laughs) (laughs) I I never had that encounter with Professor Oak after you take your first step into Route 2. So I'm that idiot. So I'm sure there were some players who went out there and they're like, I don't even have a sword. I can't even fight. This game's dumb. I mean, as we talk, you will find that I am right there with you. Okay, okay, great. So the sense of adventure is great. Sean, you talked about an invisible hand. Do you want to get into that at all about like how this game pushed you in certain directions? Like, did do you want to talk about like a memory that? Oh like yeah. Well, I thing? mean, like just in okay. So you are you start off in a field. Even in the first screen, it, it's there. You start off in a field. There are three ways to go, but the thing that draws your attention the most is just this hole in the wall. And I mean, maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but I feel like that hole in the wall is a more interesting feature than these paths read these paths uh, just going off in either Those paths can go anywhere. Yeah. That and hole kind of guarantees me something. Yeah. And, and also at this point, I mean, it might be kind of silly to say, but at this point, you don't know that walking to the edge of the screen will move you to another screen. You don't know. You're like, this is all. The only thing you see that you know is a place you can go is the cave, and the rest is like, you got to experience it. Yeah, I, I to do see think that. Can. I think it's it's a little intuitive that, like, it, there isn't a barrier there, but I, I see what right, you mean. Right. Um, but yeah, my first. My, my, most people's first movement will go into the cave, and I think that in itself is just that little guiding hand of, hey, here's a feature. It's the first thing we're showing you. Why don't you check it out? And um, I don't think that they always follow this rule because there's a lot of really crappy design later on. Okay. Um, in terms of just, like, obfuscation. <laughs> um, but I think, by and large, like, the overworld map is a, a pretty intuitive... Uh, uh, map, Joe. Any points in the game where you felt like the game was pushing you in a certain direction that Sean didn't mention? Um, give me a second. All I right. got. I got. You some. got one. Okay. Yeah, I think that even the size of the paths um, push you in certain directions. Like the the first dungeon to get there, you just go straight. You know, and that's the biggest, widest path there is between the trees, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Um. But if you on the main screen, like the first screen that you go to, there are these tiny little paths to the left and the right, but there's a really wide path in front of you. Mm-hmm. And the way the cave is kind of almost like on an angle, it makes it so that when you leave the cave, you kind of want to keep going forward, you know? And so it, it tells you in the manual to go up, uh, to go north. But then there are other places later on where you're kind of looking for, um, it's kind of the opposite, where you're looking for the second dungeon. And you need to take these kind of really small, little tiny paths. And so you're on the, you know that there's some way to get there, but you kind of have to figure it out. And so when you see this little thing on the side, you say, oh, I wonder if that's the, like, the path to get to this dungeon, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that there are, like, little natural, like, like the landscape kind of 
makes you want to check out certain things and avoid other things. And and it's not like your next objective is ever like so far away from right. you. Your next objective is is relatively well placed to where you have to go next. The the game doesn't really rely on the player going from the, you know, the far southeast all the way up to the northwest, you yeah. know, like it doesn't really happen that way. And there was a time where I tried that. When I first started, I said, "Okay, I'm, I'm not going to look at the manual. I just I know that there's like a map at the bottom of it, just because I've heard about this game so much. Um, I'm just going to explore." And I found fa- I fought a Lionel oh, in one goodness. of my first <laughs> playthroughs. I think I had two hearts, and I see a cave, and I'm thinking, oh, "Okay, this guy's in front of a cave. I'm going to try and get past him." And he just one shots me, and I'm done. So you must have went all the way up north. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know where you were. Yeah. yeah. It was Very blue, cool. Blue Lionel. Blue Lionel, too, so yeah. they're even tougher. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Joe, did you have anything? Yeah, I think so. I, this one might be a little more a little more, uh, more obvious uh, than the others, but a lot of times in the... I think I think it only happens in the dungeons. You When you clear a room of enemies... It'll give you like one bomb in the middle of the in the middle of the room, and there's a lot of walls that like don't that there are secret areas that you can bomb a hole through. Totally. So I think that's like your cue to it's like, hey, well, maybe try this out on these walls. And there, I think there was actually like one or two times where it just didn't work. Yeah, I mean, there just, are plenty of walls yeah. that I mean, because theoretically, each wall that doesn't have a door already to it is a wall you can try on. You right. know, and it's amazing that they put those in there as like you know things for you to discover because you can skip like large parts of yeah, dungeons right. by going right. by bombing those. And, walls. and I will say that on the flip side of it, I think that there were some times where there's a bombing a wall that's bombable or like a bush that's burnable that they that they don't they don't give you really any clues yeah and i'm not sure like some of that i feel like is like well that's just a lot of guess and check and not necessarily like a lot of like figure it out yourself Mm -hmm. um but but in in some cases i think there were like good leading hints yeah i think an opposite uh opinion of the invisible hand thing is that it's really weird i thought at least that when you get items in this game no one ex- no one explains anything and it's up to you to, to kind of to yeah. try it out and figure it out and i think like you know the first one that stuck out for me was the candle because you you get the blue candle from a merchant not in a dungeon where it's dark so right. you're using this thing for a while as like oh okay this thing's like a flame that it can only use once <laughs> like you know right. like i'm not really sure what's <laughs> going on and then it, you know there's like a a moment because you get that pretty early and the first dungeon that does blackout i think isn't isn't until level 4 and you get to one of those dark rooms and the first thing i thought of was like what if i just light the room up like you know like why don't i just use the candle and it's so smart to do it that way because the easier approach would have been the blue candle is the item of that dungeon in level four that you have to go find and then that's like explicitly telling you Mm -hmm. like hey you know this candle is the way to you know kind of like how the ladder is given to you in level five level five or six the ladder is given to you because it's like that's the only way you're going to be able to get across the water to finish the rest of the dungeon. Like you need that. And that one was like, this is such a very specific use case thing yeah. that I think the ladder for me was the only item that I wasn't actually impressed by because it was it was more of a Metroid thing, you know, where it's like you can't open these doors until you get those missiles. You know, it's like you can't cross this until you get that ladder. Mm. Right. Similar um, to the raft, right. actually, too. If we can talk about the raft for a second, that yeah, yeah. that was kind I think of strange. That, I think that has a, a similar element. That I know, uh, I know, you guys didn't care for in Rygar, which yeah, there's like a there's like a thing 
that oh yeah that triggers yeah, yeah. like this is where you can use the grappling hook like this is where you can use the raft only i'm like but it's a raft and that's water mm-hmm. i can't but put it, the raft yeah. on water it's also weird though too because you get the raft and then it's like it's not usable in the dungeon right and yes like you get it in the dungeon right before you're supposed to go to the raft dungeon but like i wouldn't have thought like you know, like, go check that out. It's just something that's more or right. less going to happen. Thankfully, they didn't map it to be. Like, it's just, like, as long as right. you have the raft in your item inventory, you can go to the level four dungeon now. But since we're talking about, you know, the order of these dungeons, I'm giving out crazy numbers. Nobody really, like, did them in the exact order, right? Well, okay, so let me tell you a little story about how I played this game. Make this as long <laughs> as it has to be. I want to hear it. Okay. So I I boop the game, go in, get the sword. Everything's going great so far. I end up going to the west, and I'm in the woods. And I find my way to, uh, like, a hole in the the wall, and there's, like, an old lady, and she's like, hey, give me money, I'll tell you a secret. So I'm like, I I got some cash, so I I pay for the- Some rupees. I got some rupees. Um, So I ask for the most expensive secret. And she gives me some directions. and. So I follow the directions through the Lost Woods, and I have three hearts, and I go right into the sixth dungeon, and I'm sort of just, like, taken aback by what's around me, and I get through, like, maybe two screens before I drop dead. Now, you saw the level six thing and knew you were in the sixth dungeon, or you just thought, like, I'm... that. Okay, good. No, okay, I'm just making sure that you didn't think, like, oh, this is the first dungeon? This is tough. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm like, okay, level six, I know that there's nine dungeon dungeons just from knowing about this game a little bit um and then i died and then i'm like oh i guess i well that was not supposed to happen actually i knew going there that like oh i'm probably just way out of my element right now um so then i i went back and i proceeded to uh find the first two dungeons and those were relatively easy especially after having encountered the sixth yeah. one and i feel like oh i'm well on my way and then I get to the third one, and that's a little bit tougher, but I get through that one. And now I'm lost, because I didn't even know that there were items hidden in the other dungeons. So you yeah. hadn't gotten the boomerang or the arrow? Okay, uh, so sorry, I, got a, I got a boomerang because I think it was just dropped by an enemy? Yeah, the, you have to clear out a whole room, and yeah. then the mm-hmm. boomerang will just show up. Yeah. yeah, but the other ones were, like, I didn't even see a screen, like, that, that like, that screen where you go down the ladder and then pick up the item and then go back up the ladder. Like I yeah. was, I never saw that. Okay. So I, um, that's as much as I played. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew that I was missing something, but at this point I didn't have enough time to keep going. Right. 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 Um, and I was, and I didn't want to look up a walkthrough and I knew that like there was more that I could have done to do this, but yeah, I think this is, I think this is a counterpoint to, and I'm not saying that it should be dumbed down, but I think it makes more sense design-wise um, to put a barrier in your dungeon that you have to get the item to cross. And you'll right. see them do that in every yeah, future Zelda it, game. Yeah, it, it was actually that, something that felt... Like, it stands out to you almost that, like, you get an item in the dungeon and need it in another dungeon. Like, it's like, it feels... Because yeah. I think, like, most well, like games the, That's what I'm saying with the raft. It's, point. like, weird yeah. that you get this raft, and, like, yes, I, like I said, it helps you with the very next dungeon, but it's, like, it's weird that it doesn't have any application within the right. same dungeon. Right. And I think that will... And, yeah, I think that there are positives for 
having it be like, like it's not needed and you have to find it in order to progress later. But I think if you could, uh, if you could like just make sure it'll eliminate it'll eliminate frustration to the people that got into my position, um, and then you have these opportunities of like okay maybe have this as something that you need to get to some secondary item that you don't need, and there are a lot of those, and um, like like in Metroid how half the upgrades were sort of optional, right? And you could have those applications be there, like how you can just bomb through walls, like I. I tried a lot of walls, and I think only, like, three of them worked for me. And you but, only get so many bombs, too. Exactly. It's not I'm like not in Metroid where bombs. you have the little bombs infinitely. Yeah, you can right. only just use one at a time. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess I played the game pretty wrong, but I still enjoyed myself playing right. it. And I like that you stuck with it, though, too, is, like, I'm not going to look up a manual. Like, this is my experience in this yeah. game. You know, like, I, I, there, there's something to appreciate about that rather than resorting to, like, I think you should eventually go back. No, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go back. Yeah. But game. I think that there's something to be said about the fact that you didn't just be like, okay, well, I'm going to figure out the right way to do this. Like, you, you right. kind of just said, like, this is the way I'm playing the game, so I'm just going to keep yeah. going as far as I possibly yeah. can. Yeah. And that's something I, I wanted to talk about, actually, because I, I had a, a smaller version of that experience, and I don't remember which dungeon, but at a certain point I had to... There was an item I was missing that I needed to go on, and I kind of realized, like, I missed it in another dungeon. So I had to, like, almost go on... I, I, I'm sort of twisting a negative into a positive here, but my rose-colored glasses were telling me like I gotta go on like a little side quest like this will be fun (laughs) (laughs) so I had to go on like another adventure like just to figure out like to back into the dungeons that I already been into and like figure out what did I miss like what else was here and something about the fact that like I knew like I would come in today and talk to you guys and you guys wouldn't have had that same experience I had was kind of cool to me I was like you know we're all we all will have had different adventures yeah and it's like I can't think of another example where so far where, like, it's really been the case where it's, like, we have very different... I mean, you know, no, maybe, I mean, like, yeah, branching paths and stuff, We've been playing but... very, very uh, limited scope games right. up until, like... Right, and this yeah. feels like it's just, like, not just, like, oh, I went on a different path, or, like, it was a whole different experience. Like, I had, like, a different mission. And, yeah, I'm talking it up a little bit, but uh, I thought that was I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I kind of have a stray thought just about dungeons sure. in general, and that's that I think that I was so appreciative... That when I died in a dungeon, they brought me back to the start of the dungeon and not to the start of the overworld. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because it just kind of, I don't know, it was it was one of the things that, this is the first, one of the first games, I think, that I've played where when I die, I don't feel like this is, like, too hard. Okay. You know, I feel like it's, like, it's hard, but it's fair hard. You know? Like, you felt like you shouldn't have been there when you died, or you just or felt like just I like, earned that death. Uh, just like I, like I earned it, you okay. know, it, it felt like, um, if like the punishment and rewards of this felt very modern to me, it didn't feel like arcade-esque or it, anything. It is more, I, I mean, I think that we have, we've touched upon like having the difficulty feel earned and how like, oh, that death was my fault. We've touched upon that. Yeah. But in terms of the difficulty of this game where you don't really lose anything when you die. Yeah. And that's great. And it that is it, very modern. I'm not saying it's no. good or bad, but it is very modern. Yeah. yeah I, and I think. I, Sorry. One thing that's very smart uh, with this game that Sam brought up is that it takes you back to the startup screen, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, the the place where you found the sword, you know. And I think what's smart about that is that if you died in the overworld, that kind of nudges you to say, like, oh, maybe I should try a different direction, yeah, you know. Right, like, yeah. like, I was really overwhelmed. And you'll know when you're really overwhelmed, when you didn't just die because you were being careless. Like, I was really overwhelmed, like you were saying with yeah. the Lionels, you know. Like, I was being 
like rampaged on. Mm-hmm. I need to find a, a better way to go about this path. Yeah. So I'm gonna try this way this time. You know, it's like that's something neat because if they would have just loaded you back into like the screen before it, you'd be encouraged to just keep charging yeah. back in until it works. Yeah, and you right. it it does give you three hearts to start with again when you die, which I think is cool because it's like a little bit of a punishment, but it, it's not like you're as strong as you possibly could be. Right. And I like that they respawn all the enemies too, so you have to redo it, and it's not like they it's watered down. I don't know. I was just really impressed with the, uh, with just the the feeling it gave me. Totally, you know. Yeah, I, I think as as far as difficulty, like on the NES goes, I think this is maybe still more difficult than a lot of games now, but I think it like kind of nails that like that perfect medium where it's like not yeah it it feels difficult but doable. And I like th- th- I think this for me this is like the template like this is what I want other NES games to to be like yeah. difficulty wise. And I think one thing to get back to Joe since since we're talking about the difficulty and how like things aren't necessarily like, spelled out for you and everybody has different paths is that that was completely Miyamoto's intention at, at the very least if not Nintendo's like the entire team's intention was to make it so that you're playing this game I'm playing this game we go to school together, we are at work together, right. like, you know, like, we're friends, whatever the situation is, and you're playing that game at your house, and I'm playing the game at my house, and then we can bond over it in a way where I'm like, you know, oh, I'm on level four right now, and you're like, oh, I just got past that last night, I had to do this, and then all of a sudden, I have that eureka moment, where it's like, now this, like, tail is being passed down yeah. to me, yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what I have to do. Right. Like, yeah. there's something nice about that, and not that that can't be done in every single game, right? <laughs> like, like it's the what makes it interesting here is that there is a different way to go about it where Joe can be on, like, the level 4 dungeon, and I can be on the level 6 dungeon, but I haven't finished his level 4 dungeon. I just happen to wind up at that one mm-hmm. first. And so I have information that's worthy to give to Joe, and he has information that's worthy to give to me, rather than... Well, I'm just in the next level, and I'm doing better than you right now, so here's what you need to do to get ahead of me. It's like we can be in different spots and still share mm-hmm. the same, you know, like, useful information. Right. been what uh the more uh oblique uh ways to progress like maybe that was supposed to be um the last resort the last resort of just like not, not maybe not even the last resort but like that was designed to be like okay they'll talk and somebody will, somebody will find it right we don't need to test this game <laughs> <laughs> they'll figure it out eventually it, it reminds me of like in pt when like the only way to beat pt is to do this like ridiculous uh sequence of movements and uh, i think there was a point where you had to shout into your controller and uh, then it'll play the Silent Hills uh, trailer. I don't know if you ever read anything about Never, that. Never. No, I, I've actually been too scared to even watch a gameplay oh of my uh, PT. God, I played PT. It's great. But anyway, it's just, it's the same like uh, everybody 
the community is playing this game, not just you. So, guys, I want to talk about um, Dodongo Dislike Smoke. Yeah. That actually gave me a hint. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm like, okay, no bombs, but I... I I love it. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's it's so uh, clearly like Japanese, poorly translated to you know English. Uh, but I I brought that up as like just a way to segue into these hints in general because I was wondering, is, are there any other like that one stands out for me as just like a fun one that also happened to work? But were there any other ones that stood out for you guys? I mean, like you mentioned getting the riddle to the lost woods yeah and and that's like a huge one too because there's no other way that you're i mean like really there's guess. not even a good chance you're gonna guess it though yeah. if you think about it like there's a ton of combinations yeah, you could right. you could luck into it but uh, there were a lot that didn't work uh like i mean the ones that and i don't really I'm not saying that i came across these but when i watched some some people play this game to get a gist of what i was missing um Things like that, that easternmost peninsula one. Yeah, the eastmost yeah. peninsula one is a famous, like, uh, it, it has nothing to do with what was actually being said in the Japanese version. The Japanese version mentions something about um, that bows, uh, th- that arrows cost rupees. Oh, uh, wow. Which is something that you'll find out, you know, on right. your own using the bow and arrow. Like, you'll realize that it's taking rupees away from you. But the eastmost peninsula thing is now, like, People thought like, oh, they're taught like this is a secret. Like we have to yeah. decode this. Because like, is there a peninsula on this map? There I, is, I can't and, and like you know, it can be taken like a ton of ways. I, I you know, there's there is that dungeon, and then um, there's the uh, the money making game too on on that eastmost peninsula side. The money making game being the right. thing where like you just choose yeah. a rupee thing, and then it's either like you lose or you gain some, right. and that's like a very risky game that I don't, I didn't feel like playing that much because <laughs> rupees are hard to get yeah, in this game. Yeah. But uh, another one that I really liked was the um, the waterfall, uh, the oh, waterfall yeah. one, because I thought like that was really cool because there's you know there's pretty much like a ninety nine percent chance at that point that you have not like unless you played this game before you are, are not thinking I should be exploring a waterfall, right. and then this guy is like. Did you get the sword from the old man on top of the waterfall? And you're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I didn't. And then you go up there, and he's like, take this if you're worthy. And you might not be. Yeah. yeah. You might not be worthy. And I like that it doesn't tell you why. That is interesting, and I think that's the same thing. It's heart containers, right? It's heart containers. But I think it's the same thing as, like, items. I don't hate that it doesn't tell you. But it's also just, like, not necessarily nice because that's, like, a form of backtracking that I don't want to do. Whereas, like, the item, it's like I've acquired it and now I just have to find its use. I don't have to go back and find the item again and again. Each time I get a heart container, which I wouldn't have thought anyway, but, like, each time I get anything in the game or beat another dungeon, which is the right way to go about it because dungeons are the main way of getting heart containers. Each time I get a dungeon, I'm going to go back to that place and see if I'm worthy now. Right. I, yeah. I think that that was a cool way of doing it just for your, like, your imagination's sake. Where it's like, even if you, I don't know if it tells you in the manual that you need heart containers, but if you don't know you need heart containers, you're just organically getting more heart containers as you go. So you, it kind of feels like, oh, now I'm, now I'm just I'm worthy. worthy. Like, yeah. it just feels like that, even if you don't know what, it, what actually, the, you know, the game is recognizing as making you worthy. Yep. And then there's um, Dig Dogger hates certain kinds of sound. And I thought that that was really cool because that's telling you basically like, you know, you could try all you want on this boss to defeat him. But unless you use the warp whistle, 
nothing's right. gonna happen. You know, and I, I like it, how we call it the warp whistle. Oh my goodness, I just said as, that. Yeah, yeah you it's said it twice sound. now. Yeah, wow, that is so funny. And the first time nobody called me out on it, so no, I'm gonna assume that you all agree. I think that I think, it's more think the, the warp whistle than it is. Honestly, it's like it should be an ocarina. <laughs> honestly, the first time I think it didn't even affect me because I was like, yeah, the warp whistle. That's what it sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the last, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the uh, the last hint, uh, aim at the eyes of Goma. That was the last one that uh, really stuck with me because again, that's like using the arrow. But it only has one eye. So I was like, "What's the other eye they're talking about? What's the secret that I have?" To oh, watch? aim at the <laughs> eyes. Which one's Goma? Which which? Uh... Goma is the spider. Oh, okay. That yep. closes that little blinky eye. <laughs> yep. And yeah, and when it's closed, you can't do anything. But when it's right. open, shoot that arrow. And I think it's a one hit kill. Uh, no, I think it takes a few. Okay. But those what? are some sturdy eyelids. Yeah, Dodongo's yeah. the one that killed. I felt, I felt so bad killing Dodongo. We'll talk say. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just because, like... You seem so frightened whenever you... Well, yeah. like, I, I walk into the room, and I see this, like, little dinosaur in the middle of it, and I'm like, oh, cool, dinosaurs are here, you know? And... I'm looking at the map in the top left corner, and I forget that the the last room is always the Triforce room, you know? So yeah. I'm thinking, like, oh, this must be, like, a mini boss or something, and the real boss is next door. Like, because I played Ocarina of Time, where the King Dodongo is this huge, huge dinosaur. Right. And so I see this little orange guy in the middle of the screen, and I'm like, oh, that's cute. This Maybe I hit this guy, and then, like, he, like, turns big, or, like, the real one comes out or something. And so I hit him a couple times, I throw the bomb out, and then I hit him again, and he dies. And then the heart container comes out, and I'm thinking, like, oh, oh no, that was it? <laughs> <laughs> he he, just, he doesn't attack. Yeah, like, yeah he's he just, just walking he's around. Walking. Yeah. I felt really bad. And you feed him the bomb, and he's like, ooh, like, thank you. And he, like, eats it, and he's like, oh, like, what happened? Like, what yeah. was no, I, I, I interpreted his, his uh, facial expression of, as just, like, ouch, that hurts. Like, every time you hit him, like, it's just, ow, I'm hurt. Yeah. He doesn't, like, it, lash it, out. It feels really bad. You, to you're just to slaughtering this poor animal. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, Dodongo was Dodongo was definitely um, the one I felt bad about out of any of them. But also, I just thought it was weird that like bosses between levels would just like they vary between like one to two hit KOs and like impossible like eight hit yeah. <laughs> monsters. Yeah. Like you know, like yeah, when you blow the whistle and then he becomes weak, it's really just a matter of you know landing a couple shots. When you fight the three headed dragon, yeah. Yeah. it's an yeah. onslaught that goes on forever, yeah. and you have to be close to it because not boomerang doesn't do anything, arrows don't do anything. Unless you have to be at ha- if you're unless you're at like full health, isn't? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you can shoot the sword. Yeah, because yes, that's yeah, how yeah. I beat him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the most efficient way. But I am. So there's something about my clutch factor in this game <laughs> where I'm really good when I'm at low hearts, but when I have full hearts, I am so quick to lose just even a half a heart <laughs> to not have the ability to shoot off my swords, mm-hmm. which we can talk about is like, that's a weird thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Shooting the sword. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, even the wooden sword has that power. Has that, yeah, it should be like reserved to, for the yeah. magic sword. But no, I, I would be, I would also be pretty upset if they didn't have that ability. I'm like, that's, that's yeah. a big, right, big, right, right. big feature. I'm not saying, I, I, yeah, like again, again. We're not about to break down, like, how realistic is Zelda. <laughs> like, I'm just saying that, like, I did think it was weird that it wasn't, like, um, you know when you get the magic wand, finally, right. and that shoots out, like, two light yeah. arcs, you yeah. know? I think, like, if it would have been something more like that, I could have bought into the yeah. idea more instead of, like, the idea that, like, I'm throwing my sword? Right. Or, like, something right. about it? And speaking of the magic wand, too, I, I thought it was really cool... That you just have the same exact weapon that these enemies you've been fighting have. Like that that's I feel like that's something that you don't see a lot, even in games now. Is that it's with like, the orb? 
Like the the, the no, no, know, no 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 you know no those no, wizards that... that like teleport around and they shoot those like broom, broom, oh like yeah, little, yeah. Uh, you get that exact weapon like it's just it's just like one of theirs and it doesn't <laughs> harm them. No, which That's you would so think it would like, be like their weakness. They've but, mastered it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you would think uh, gameplay, game design-wise, you think like, oh, this is, you got that, now you can fight those guys. But like logically, you're like, yeah, that doesn't hurt. We we know all about this wand. Yeah. We have to <laughs> against it. Right, right. Uh, but it is good in that dungeon because then you can uh, take down the like-likes, which I have no idea why they're called that. But uh, you can take down the like-likes with that from far away while you're dealing right. with the other guys with your sword. The like-likes are the... They're trunk-looking things that slither around the, the room. Tubes that and eat if, your shield. Yeah, yeah maybe the scariest shield. enemy. Oh, they I mean, take the shield. I, yeah, I used to hate those in every Zelda game. That every Zelda, yeah, and, and they're also just like gross too. Yeah, right? they're yeah. really they're, they're orange, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. Especially, I have like the the N sixty four version of them stuck in my head, where they're like these giant things that are like, oh, pulsating, yep. mm-hmm. and they like absorb you and your guys making like creepy noises while you're inside so whenever second, I see yeah, one second worst enemy next to the redeads I'm just hungry oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> I'm just hungry um, okay so we're not gonna talk about every single enemy but since we're on the subject of enemies I know we were talking about Lionels earlier and yes they are like theoretically like the blue Lionel is like the toughest enemy like in terms of centaur thing yes okay. exactly yeah. but if we're being real for a minute the dark nuts are the worst, okay? And I don't expect you guys just to know who that is, like, <laughs> yeah, because I said nuts. the dark nuts. <laughs> but um, the dark nuts are the guys who have the the shield as well and a sword, and oh. they're, like, in full armor. Then, yeah, that's who, I'm, that's who I was thinking. Okay, and you can only attack them from the from behind. Or the side, right? Yeah, or the side, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you they can't always turn them. towards you. Yes, they're always turning towards you. You don't hurt them when you walk into them, but they hurt you when you walk, you know, yeah. that the whole thing yeah. again. And... You know, as a guy who didn't really have the ability to shoot his sword all the time because I was really bad at keeping full health. You gotta get close. Those things caused more deaths than anything else in this game for me. Any boss in this yeah. game. I didn't even die from Ganon so much as I did from these dark nuts. Yeah, and like, they're yeah. riddled. Uh, uh, level three is like riddled with them too. Level I think. three? Do bombs work on those guys? Uh, bombs do work on them, but again, you, you only get, get eight bombs yeah. at a max. They, at any and they all, I think it only counts like one hit. Right. Well, it's yeah. not Eventually, you get sixteen, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm saying, yeah. well, I guess what I'm saying is, is that like they didn't do enough for like to Sean's point. They still only count as like one hit, and they're lucky if that bomb is yeah. making a connection. Right. They're still right. quite the nuisance. It takes yeah. For, yeah, it takes forever to take those guys down. Whereas at least with the Lionels, it's like any direction. Just keep your distance for right. the most part. You know, hit them with the boomerang so this way they freeze. It's <laughs> like can't do that with uh, these guys. Won't do yeah. it. I think so. it's funny like facing the Lionels because the only other time I've played them was in Breath of the Wild. That's the only other time they show up. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. No, yeah. I just saying like that's very funny, and one of the many uh, callbacks to the original Legend of Zelda is in Breath of the Wild with the Lionels, and the Lionels in Breath of the Wild are certainly the mm-hmm. hardest enemy in that game. Yeah. Uh, that's a true testament to like just the funny thing about Lionels in Breath of the Wild. We'll make this a Breath of the Wild thing, but like in Master Mode, which was an added DLC thing, the you, on the great on the um the Great Plateau where you start, that's like the tutorial thing the first time you play through, but if you play on Master Mode, they put a Lionel on <laughs> a Lionel on the um on the Great Plateau and he'll just like completely ruin your day. Wow. <laughs> so I think that's just like uh yeah, we made this mode a lot harder. But I have a lot of complaints about Master Mode, so that's not an endorsement to buy the DLC. <laughs>
did you look up? Like uh, I like just looked at the manual. About, you just looked at the manual. Yeah. Nobody nobody went to game FAQ. No, I I, I looked <sighs> some things up online, especially towards like as we we're getting close to recording this episode. I was like, all right, I gotta start looking some things up. I can't think of too many specific things, but it was mostly just like things that you'd probably have to get a hint from an old man somewhere. Like, where do I find this? Or where do you know? I'm locked out of this area. How do I get? You know, how, how do I get through the lost woods? I looked yes, that up. Okay. Because that's because you didn't want to pay the woman. Uh, I didn't. I couldn't even remember. <laughs> If I even ran across the woman or knew that, that yeah, was she is. To me. be fair, she is in uh, the bottom right. left but corner. But does, does she yeah. tell you? I'll tell you how to get through the lost woods, or does she, no, like, she just, just says, pay oh, me? Tell and me. I'll tell you a secret. Yeah, I'll tell you a secret. Because yeah. the last person I paid that had told me something I had already done. Right. And so I was you're like, like I'm not wait. wasting my money twice. Yeah. Uh, I will say that uh, for this playthrough, I did not, but um, that's because I mostly knew everything going into this playthrough. But for my very first playthrough, I did look up about the, uh, this is an often complained thing about the tree that you have to burn to get to the seventh dungeon. And I kind of felt like after I looked it up, I was like, yeah, but I could have figured that yeah, out. Like, I, like so many people. Spot. It is in a weird that spot. That was the, and like second dungeon I found by accident. I didn't do it until much yeah. later. But it just it looks like a burnable bush, and it's, it's also a dead end. Up. Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense. I'm not going to say it looks like a burnable bush because it's the same sprite. I think that's not what I don't mean. Yeah. The sprite. I mean the, the placement. placement. It just yeah. seems out of place. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. There's there's rows and rows and rows of these bushes that are like going all in one direction. If I remember yeah. correctly, and then there's just one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. So that made me feel like there's something. That's what I'm saying it. almost. It's like it, it does have that um, that Solomon's key factor to it that we were talking about where it's like if you look up the puzzle, it's not that, gratis, that gratifying when you finally like do it then right. because it's like, oh, well, now I'm just doing what, what I was instructed to do. And this whole game is about not being told to do anything. Yeah. You know, the, the hints in the game. In in some ways, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe we're praising this game too much, but in some ways, like, the mistranslations of these things, like, that make them kind of, like, not direct English enhances the hints, too, because they're just, like, now they're just vague hints instead of telling <laughs> yeah. us directly what we should do. I don't know. I think uh, I think that um, the, the Burnable Bush is borderline, where I think it's out of place enough that you will experiment with it. I did. I didn't know what the candle did, so I didn't try to use it. I tried bombing the bush, and nothing happened. But um, I I learned later that you needed the candle for that. Yeah, and I will um, say too, I definitely had some buried in me. I had some like subconscious knowledge that like you're supposed to burn the bushes to get on. Yeah. Like I like I if I were just picking this up and I bought this on day one, probably would have taken me a lot longer to even know that you could do half this stuff. Yeah, but like I still think that. We we may be praising it too much because I still think that even though I said like oh it's part of the community thing, it's still like where you have to bomb uh, what what what's the one that you have to bomb a random wall to get into? Oh yeah, yeah the final dungeon, the final dungeon. Yeah. Like that is ridiculous. Yeah. Like there's we, another one too. It's the, there should be a crack in the wall. Yeah. It's at least for just that See, one. See the crack in the wall. I don't necessarily like, but I like something. Placement wise, looking like it, or, or or a hint or something. If you think crack about the it, wall feels too. No, but there is, big. and there is stuff like that though. Like like there isn't a crack in the wall in any of these, and some of those are just like you know walls that you wouldn't even think to bomb, but they only contain in them like you know someone giving you yeah, rupees or like you it know is a secret. Or... It's a secret to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is funny because Miyamoto actually talks about that in an interview, and this is a quick segue, but he talks about how. Um, one of the enemies who who says that it's a secret to everybody and gives you 
the um, and gives you the rupees. He was saying like, yeah, that's a secret to everybody. So it's like our way of saying don't tell your friends and stuff like that. But it's also like he's saying that in the game, like don't tell my fellow enemies. <laughs> like it's a secret to everybody. Like include like let's just keep this between you it. and me. <laughs> you know, and right. and that actually reminded me of one of the only bad puzzles in the game is uh, the level seven dungeon has that enemy guy, the pig-looking thing, that just says, like, you know, grumble, grumble. Right. And then it's like, there's no way to find the meat in that dungeon. Right. You have to go out to a merchant, buy the meat, and then give it to him to feed him to let him con- to let allow him to let you continue going through the rest of the dungeon. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's also, like... Grumble, grumble, I thought he was saying that. I didn't take it as his stomach a, was yeah, grumbling. Yeah, they were just angry like, that I found the yeah. place. Like, because it's one of those, like, hint rooms. I thought yeah. he was just angry that I found it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's other a tough things, one. Other things that, like, break its own rules, like, I know that there are some uh, rooms in, uh, I forget which specific dungeon, but there are rooms in dungeons that are, that don't show up on the map, uh, even mm-hmm. though it's, like, been established that if it if there's a room that you can... Like that, you can't have access to. You can just bomb the wall to get into that room, but it's not even on the map. Or there are only like two blocks that you can push, or something throughout the entire game. Like these are just weird discrepancies that are fine if they're leading to uh, side items. But if you need to get through it, I think it should follow like the common knowledge that you've acquired. I agree. Yeah. Um. And and one thing that I thought was really. Uh, very difficult to find on your own and i'm trying to remember exactly the the method but to find the the seventh dungeon you have to go to one of those fairy pools and like use an item on the pool or something what do you have to burn oh, the pool yes, or something yeah, yeah. no you have to use the whistle oh, the on whistle. the fairy yeah. lake like the the fairy right. lake you have to use the whistle and then it turns to sand right instead of That's warping right. you back because right. it, it does you know that um warp whistle so when you blow the whistle in certain circumstances a tornado comes by and picks you up oh really yeah not like the same tornado as Mario. Yeah, that that tornado. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh. that's why I've been calling it the warp yeah, whistle. I guess but, if you do warp. Uh, yeah, there's also a little warp zone in this game that I didn't know about until this playthrough. Oh, this take any road you want yeah, the stairs yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a guy. One of the old men. One of the old men. Instead of having three rupees laid out, he has three staircases, and oh, so you wow. can choose any of the staircases, and it'll take you to a different yeah. part. And it's like a good way to tr- quickly traverse the map from that point on. Once you like know which one takes you where. Wow, that's something I never saw. All right, guys, so, you know, we've, we've been talking about all the different dungeons and stuff like that. I guess now we should kind of wrap this up by just talking about the final dungeon, uh, level 9, otherwise known as Death Mountain, which is a reoccurring thing in almost every single Zelda game. And this is where you'll find Ganon. But one thing that I thought was, like, interesting about, like, besides how hard it is to figure out that that's where you have to go into because you have to bomb that one particular wall... I thought it was interesting that this dungeon is so much more complicated and complex. I feel like it's almost as big as the overworld. Exactly. It really is. It's gigantic. Even the map is like, it's not even like a, it's like the the shape is, it's it's just like there's so many. And there's so many staircases too of like, okay, so, you you know, you're up in the top right right now, but then you're going to find the staircase that takes you to the bottom left. It gives you like access to three new rooms. And then there's going to be another staircase. And one of those, it's going to take you to the middle. You know, there's so many 
different. Like this, this just looks so silly. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you know, if you look up a map of level nine on like Zelda yeah. Dungeon or something right. like that, like if you look up those things, you're not going to believe what you're seeing. Right. <laughs> and then uh, you, you know, there's a couple of, um, couple of items in here to get. I think the most important one is the light arrows. Because uh, that's like. Don't you need those? I think you need those, right, yeah. to take on um, the the Ganon. The Ganon, uh, the and that's important. The Ganon, not Ganondorf. Uh, <laughs> Ganondorf is like you know people want to say Ganondorf because he's in Smash, but Ganondorf <laughs> is just like the the human entity of Ganon. Ganon is well, the real Gerudo, or like correct, Ganon. I guess, mm. but it's spelled differently in this game. Uh, why is it G A N O N? It's G-A-N-N-O-N. Oh, okay. Is that the correct No way? way. Really? I think it's G-A-N-O-N. My copy. Okay. <laughs> or See, the that's way I, I mean. played it. Everybody has a different experience with <laughs> this game. Isn't that, did you know about Ganon banning? Ganon banning? Yeah. No. It's where you, if, I forget which form it is, but if you spell Ganon wrong, they like, they don't ban you, but it's called Ganon. Ban. <laughs> what do they do? <laughs> I think it's So like, we've all just been banned <laughs> yeah. from, that, from that forum. Someone's reported us. So there's the light arrows, and then there is the, uh, oh, sorry, they're called silver arrows, uh, silver arrows in this right. game. And then there's the red ring, too, because you can already, yes. you probably already have, most likely you'll have the blue ring by this point. Yeah. But and the, the rings ring. aren't, don't really behave as rings, they behave as full outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that give you more defense. Legit, yeah, they'll change how you look, and they're, they boost defense, not offense, which I guess makes sense, because you have the swords to collect. To, to make you stronger in that regard. So if, right. every, if the rings and the sword just made you stronger, you'd have power creep by the end of this <laughs> game. Uh, I would just like to confirm real quick yeah. that uh, in the title crawl for Legend of Zelda on NES, they spell it G-A-N-N-O-N. Oh, oh wow! There you go. So this game should be banned <laughs> from that <laughs> forum. They should not be allowed to talk about the very first Ganon. Or maybe uh, maybe I had it backwards, and it, it, you do spell Sam, it two ends. You're losing my attention now. It's either, it's either they do it or they don't do it. Do they do it? I I don't know. Do they okay. do it? Or do they <laughs> anyway, uh, so one thing that is interesting, though, is that you can get into this dungeon, if you know about it, right at the very start, right? So this is the idea that, like, on your next playthrough, I'm just going to go right to level 9, right? Wrong. <laughs> you can go in there, you can get all the way up to a certain point, and then the old man's going to be like, Hey, show me that whole Triforce. Show me your eight <laughs> matches. Uh-uh. You know, and it's it's kind of crazy, but I guess it is needed because if you don't have the full Triforce, then... It doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah, yeah, then like, yeah. you know, that's kind of like what you needed to, to have the strength to overcome Ganon. Like, that was in the story, in the manual at least. Like, the manual straight up tells you, go to dungeons, get... Get pieces of the Triforce because you need the Triforce to save Zelda. So if you do just wind up bombing that one particular wall, going straight to Ganon and killing him and then rescuing Zelda, it's like, well, the whole game essentially is meaningless. And then the game has an existential crisis. And then the creator has an existential crisis. And then this podcast doesn't exist because that game doesn't exist. And no one really cared about the NES because Zelda didn't exist in the first place. And so the system probably died after just a few years. So make sure you get all the pieces of the Triforce. It's very important that on everyone's timeline, they all get the all Fade from every picture that we've been in <laughs> if you don't get every piece of the Triforce. Exactly. And so uh, it's really cool because you show up in the room with Ganon, you flash the Triforce, which I thought was like really neat. You just like show it. You're like, I have the power. <laughs> and then Ganon's like, yeah, but I can turn invisible. <laughs> like he's also like giant, you know, uh, not as big as the three headed dragon. He's a big who, boy. But he's a big boy. He's a big pig. He's husky. Who turns invisible. 
and then like shows up almost always on top of you. <laughs> yeah. Deals an incredible amount of damage and takes uh, a good amount of hits. Not not, not, not like, as many as I would have thought. Not as many as you would have thought, but a good amount of hits. Uh, to take down, and the room is actually shaped like a skull, too. I thought that that was kind of mm. neat. The, yeah. uh, and, and you can also walk on every tile, even though some of the tiles are, like, blank, where we've been trying yeah, to, yeah, to make it look like a those, skull. But, but, yeah, that that's interesting, actually. I guess I didn't think about that. But, yeah, it doesn't take too much to defeat Ganon, and then uh, in the very next room, you'll encounter Zelda, and uh, all will be right. She holds up her Triforce as well. Yeah, yeah, but. And- was that also made of eight pieces? Did she go to another eight dungeons? Or maybe like he just gave no, her half the Triforce. She broke it up. Well, they both have right? a triangle. But she but broke up your piece so that oh, he couldn't okay. get it, right? But aren't there... Aren't there? All right, so I'm Legend of Zelda noob here. I don't know anything about it. But there, there are three of these big Triforces or whatever that, like, they each have one, right? Isn't, like, Ganon, Zelda, and Link all have a piece, or, you know, a piece uh, of, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true to the lore, yeah, yeah. But is that in this game, though? Because I was looking through, and I'm, I... I wasn't sure if that was No, like, I don't I, I mean like also the Triforce is always ever in three pieces and no one's allowed to have all of it, you know, like that's the thing. But maybe in this one it's still in three pieces, but then also those three pieces get separated yeah, into eight. That's, that's what it seems like. I, I kind of think it's more like, you know, uh how people have those necklaces that like you get with your friend and uh one of them is a half of a heart and the other one is the other half of the heart. I think like maybe the Triforce is just like half of like a tri square. What? Wow. Okay, I I dig it. I also like to think that we shouldn't get too far into this because then we start talking about Zelda timelines (laughs) and that upsets a lot of people because for like almost a decade, Zelda fans put in a lot of work into making a timeline that made sense. (laughs) And then Nintendo like stuck their noses in because they clearly don't care too for the record. Like they just don't care about, like, a lot of things when it comes to, like, explaining Mario this, explain Mario that. It's like, yeah, okay, well, you know what? Now he's no longer a plumber. <laughs> you know, like, they just straight up said that at one yeah. point. Like, yeah. he's not a plumber. And it's like, he was. Okay? <laughs> like, like, don't do that. So they stick their noses into the Zelda timeline and say, like, no, this is the official. Like, thank you for your hard work. We'll consider that when we make our official timeline. Yeah, that's sort of like how I feel about... uh uh, I think that Disney is getting a little too big for their britches with Star Wars, and like they took away all of like the the expanded universe stuff. It's like, no, that's just fake stuff. Yeah, and it's yeah. like we spent a lot of time reading <laughs> that stuff, <laughs> and a lot of people wrote books about their things. Yeah, they made like, games books about don't it. mean anything. Yeah. They don't mean nothing to us no more. <laughs> and it's like the thing about the timeline too, and how they made it branch into three separate paths. One of them revolves around Link losing. Oh, good. Like, like legit, uh-huh. like, there's a timeline that is just built around the idea that Link lost in Ocarina of Time, and Ganon won, and, like, you as the player, so any game over screen you ever got, you've now created <laughs> that other timeline, where, um, I actually don't remember which timeline that is, because there's, there's the Twilight I Princess I think that's the timeline. original, original Legend of Zelda timeline. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly that. You're yeah. right. Yes, okay. See, it's funny, because this, as someone who hasn't played any of the other games, this actually really intrigues me. Yeah. Like, I do plan on playing all the games, and but that's, then you'll like, realize how dumb it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, all, like it's all BS anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all, like... Com- I think, you know what, at the end of the day, just make up your own. Okay? Yeah. Like, or how about this, okay? Let me blow your mind right now. The Legend of Zelda, this one that we're talking about right now, is... Pretty much outside of Breath of the Wild, the last game in the timeline. Everything after this takes place before it. I always wow. thought about these games as like self-contained and like they sort of like restart every yeah. single time. But it's I guess just it's not yeah, the case. there are a couple that are direct sequels though. 
Are there? Like Majora's Mask is a direct sequel to Ocarina. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also just meant like to Sean's point, it's almost like it's a just a fable that gets told yeah, over like and over Ganon again. It always takes a different form. Yeah. Like there's always Link that has no recollection. And Skyward of shit. Sword kind of clears that up too, with like the whole like you know, uh, Ganon's not in that game. Instead, uh, what's his name? Demise. Like, de- Demise. And he says that he'll. Uh, and he says he's going to do this like forever. My, my like, descendants will like slaughter your descendants. Yeah, they're or like something. bound together by eternity. Link, Zelda, and Demise. And so, so yeah. like that like Bioshock Infinite. There's always a. There's always a. We're not. Thing. We're not allowed to talk about Bioshock Infinite because there was five minutes where I thought that game was really good. And I still, I'm still I upset still think, with myself. I still like that game. Mm, so. It's bad. You're bad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you're better at video games. Uh, so they're gonna throw um, out their heart necklaces now. Yeah, yeah. Triangle squares. squares. Let's just talk real fast about what you would fix. So you've been pretty much presented with a game that a lot of people think is a 10 out of 10, one of the only NES games that still is worth playing today, and now you're tasked with like something that you're gonna fix. What is that gonna be? All right, I can hop on this one. Okay, I think that real basic thing that just kind of got me that took a lot of getting used to is the sword strikes and that there's no way to, like, hit diagonally. And it's, like, such a stupid thing, but you kind of have to, like, make sure that you're, like, moving up and then exactly to the left or exactly to the right or moving down, you know, like... Yeah, I I think in the same vein... It's, like, just uh, a tiny, tiny bit awkward. And they do fix it in later games. There is a timing thing uh, with this game where... Uh, I think in most games that have this like sort of top-down view, um, if you press a direction and like a, a attack button, you're locked into attacking in that direction. Mm-hmm. So I would like try to try to attack an enemy to the right, and then immediately like queue up. I'm going to move down next, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but I would try to attack the, the enemy of my right, and then queue up that that movement, and then I would just attack down. And I don't know if anybody noticed this that like you could sort of change the direction of your um of your action before the input actually processed on screen. I feel like it's a very big very small nitpick. Yeah, okay. these are all little little things. Yeah, yeah. For me, for me too. <clears throat> but it was something that like sort of had to make me rewire that part of my brain to like just wait. So nobody noticed that. No. Okay. But I feel like this is a pretty precise uh, Level I'm sure of, it happened. I mean, level I of, no, I agree, yeah. but I, I feel like level of attention you you're paying to yeah. to that is pretty like precise. I noticed clunkiness with the combat and with movement like a little bit. So movement maybe, bothered me more maybe than combat. Like, like yeah. there there was just some times where like I don't know. I guess like to your diagonal point, yeah. it just felt like when I was trying to even like maneuver myself to keep going like upright, 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 upright. It was like sometimes that just wasn't really yeah. registering as well as I wanted it to. Yeah. I, my, my fix is something that like I don't think I personally can do to the game, but just like a, a suggestion is that, you know, you have this overworld where everything pretty much happens with the exception of the dungeons. If backtracking is ever going to be like a thing that's like required at any point in this game, like for instance, you were near the waterfall and then much later you find out, you know, like, oh, there was actually a thing over by that waterfall. I would just like to see backtracking be made more interesting in this game in the idea that like now that you found out that piece of information, there's another way to get to that same path without Mm -hmm. taking the previous path that you've now kind of like done a few times Mm -hmm. you know and i I think like that's a complaint you'll see from me on a lot of backtracking stuff is just because in general i see backtracking as more of like a waste of time on the player 
And maybe that's like, you know, it's an immersion thing for sure. Like, you know, you're in there living in this world. You have so to want fast travel, you know, but like I'm saying, yes, for me, it's like the fast travel thing doesn't take away anything from me. But I'm not saying do fast travel. I'm saying, why not just have another path that you couldn't have previously explored? But now that you have this piece of information, you can do it a different way. I have one last thing. Yeah. Uh, so, I, like, I do enjoy playing this game, but, like, sometimes I felt a little lonely and, like, that I could maybe, like, that I could have, like, some guidance from, like, a maybe a, a character smaller than me that, like, could just, like, tell me, <laughs> yeah, like, what, what to do next. tell you when you should listen. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It's so funny, too, because if anything, like... I didn't notice that at all during the game that I didn't have a companion. But now all of those Zelda games where you have a companion are just a little more annoying because no, it's, yeah. it's just like just it's just like it. a misstep on Miyamoto's part though. Like how could he think that like Because he heard all of our complaints about yeah. like wow, we'll have to bomb this wall and then he just went overboard. <laughs> I right. think they do a good job with some companions, but that's a that's No, the characters yeah. like the characterization of them and their right, personality. The usefulness of great, some but, I also don't know if that's necessary. Like, I would love to see a version of Ocarina of Time that doesn't give you any hints. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or gives you the same vague hints that they gave you in the original Legend of Zelda. Like, I'd, I'd like to drop into that world. You should play Minish Cat. Because Ezlo, I think his name is. Okay. The hat. Yeah. Uh, he gives you, like, vague hints as to where to go, but not how to get there. And that's pretty much all he does. I'm going to have to check it out. talks? Yeah, well, you have a talking the hat. Minish Cat. And in my head, he sounds like Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So here, here's some crazy Zelda statistics for you, okay? By 1988, that's one year later, Zelda sold 2 million copies. Now, that's worldwide and includes Japan's 86 part, but like 2 million. Wow. It's a big number, okay? Like, especially <laughs> back then for, like, video games. It, it sold 2 million. Purchase of the game uh, included a warranty, and if you sent that warranty to Nintendo, you uh, got a free subscription to the Nintendo Fun Club newsletter. Ooh, wow. How long did that run? Uh, that ran just a little bit before Nintendo Power took over. Uh, it was um, about a year uh, of like quarterly stuff, though. So I think I got like three to four issues, maybe. And we, we will cover that. I don't think like this, this episode's running long enough. I don't think we need to cover it here. But, it, you know, it's fun to read that Q&A stuff. And I've always said I wanted to kind of do that where we take the questions from these fun club and yeah. the power things and we answer them instead of the staff. <laughs> okay. I think that would be fun. So definitely look out for that. We will do that. Probably very fast for you guys, but we took a very nice break. I had yeah. a glass of water. It was two I took weeks a nap. ago that we last. Yeah. Uh, okay, we last <laughs> it's been two weeks, and I have prepared the developer <laughs> interviews, all of them with Miyamoto, because Tezuka really didn't have much to say. Uh, so with that in mind, the first interview comes from around the time that they were finishing up development of the uh, Super Famicom version of Link to the Past. 
And so uh, there was some reflection stuff on like, what would you have wanted to do differently and stuff like that? So the question to be exact was when you first started the development of the Super Famicom Zelda, did you have a specific vision in mind? Like you wanted the game to be a certain way? Miyamoto. Zelda 1 had an inadequate system. I wanted to do things that uh, weren't capable of doing in the first game. To call the first Zelda inadequate seems very harsh to me, the interviewer notes. Miyamoto comes back with, There were a lot of things we intended to do, but we kept getting blocked by hardware constraints. So the interviewer presses for examples. Miyamoto answers, For the level 7 dungeon entrance, we changed the color of the ground when the water drained, but we had originally intended to have the water actually disappear. And you can burn small trees, but we intended for you to be able to burn down big ones. There were a lot of little things like that, and I wanted the Super Famicom Zelda to be more realistic in that regard. In addition, <laughs> wait for it, wait for it. In addition, back when Legend of Zelda was being made, having a world based on swords and magic was still a fresh idea, as was the concept of being able to save your game. A system that allowed you to buy in-game items was also new, not to mention solving dungeons. Also, <laughs> joking, however, in the five years since the game's release, a lot of titles have appeared on the market that do that same sort of thing. So the sense of innovation has disappeared. I thought hard about what we could do next that would entertain the players. On the other hand, we weren't just about to cut out shopping and dungeons entirely, just because they were no longer innovative. All right. My first, my first just, like, basic question to this is, what is he talking about with the the water disappearing? Doesn't the water disappear? The, Isn't that what happens? Well, it turns into like sand. Animation. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Water, and then second of all... Like, what would all, be the use of burning down big trees? Right. A lot of those things are so specific and, like, seem unnecessary. Things that he got stuck on, though, during development. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, like to us, it means nothing. Right. But to him, he, he had, had, like, another thing, big yeah. plan, right. like, ready I'm to I'm sure be that made. that was, like, hours of work. It's like, why won't the big tree burn? <laughs> <laughs> like, we can't pull it off. Like, yeah. And he probably wanted it to burn, like, like it would start off small yeah, and like then get gradually bigger. Are floating yeah. up into the air. He wanted, like, wildfire physics going on. Well, I mean, they do have that later. It's funny that you games. bring up the physics thing, though, too, because, like, in the Breath of the Wild, like, the prototype yeah. build, they did make Legend of Zelda 1, like, but with Breath of the Wild physics. Wow. Just to see, like, how that stuff would work. Like, you know, like, what if you put uh, a tree on fire and then it spread, you know, mm -hmm. like, how it would. So that's how they develop, like, what core concepts they wanted in Breath of the Wild, by going back to the original Legend of Zelda, <laughs> and this prototype build will someday get out there, I can only hope. I kind of yeah. wish they included cool. it. Like, I wish an area in Breath of the Wild was just the entire game of the original Legend of Zelda. That, yeah, that would be. I mean, like, in many ways, there are, like, homages to the yeah. original Legend of Zelda. And that even includes, actually, like, I guess, you know, this is a stretch for me, but there is a, a small little island in the far north uh, east uh, in Breath of the Wild. That is very much like the island that you would take, like, your raft to get there. Like, it's like a square with, like, instead of being, there's a labyrinth there now. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, I like little nods like that. That's cool. Do you guys want another quote? Yes. Hit, hit me. <laughs> okay. Play it again, Sam. This is Miyamoto on just, like, you know, how he approaches game design, okay? I don't want to make games where the player is just a puppet in the hands of the creator playing exactly as scripted. Trying to get players to become better and better at your game is certainly one valid approach to making games, but for me, I want to present 
games to players that are more like pure toys, something you use, explore, and play with freely. And then the interviewer adds, The Legend of Zelda took the RPG genre from a place of relative obscurity and made it friendly and easy to understand. In that sense, it was a huge success for the gaming world. What are your thoughts on that? Miyamoto says, thank you. For that, <laughs> for that one, I wanted to create a game world that conveyed the same feeling you get when you're exploring a new city for the first time. How fun would it be, I thought, if I could make the player identify with the main character in the game and get completely lost and immersed in that world? The idea of a game in real time, also, was something I'd been thinking about for a while, but with such limited memory, it turned out to be a huge challenge to create enough satisfying content for players. I absolutely wanted to avoid half-baked ideas and gameplay. Since Zelda was released, I think the market has seen an increase in mean-spirited, petty games, and I still feel that sense of responsibility. I have a couple questions. When he says play in real time, did he want like a day-night cycle or something? That would have been neat, right? Yeah. Uh, I think he just means more like the idea that you're living in like a a, a breathable world, you know, like okay. in, in, instead of like... Like a, like some sort of breath. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like a wild breath. <laughs> yeah, like a breath of the wild. No, uh, more like... You know how, like, level 1-1 of Super Mario Brothers, you know, that's just as much of a world as Legend of Zelda, except for in that one, like, things are scripted and they just happen. Like, I think he was looking more for, like, you know, what... I think he's happy with the the real-time world he created in the original Legend of Zelda, but I'm sure he would have also, if the ability to have a day and night thing would have happened, yeah. like he would have been, he would have loved to do that. He probably would have loved to also have like the tides yeah. change. You know? <laughs> yeah. I would interpret that also as like you kill an enemy, it stays dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been interesting to you see. Know? And like it just also is like laying there. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Like, I mean, that's what happens though in the game. You know, in well, like, if I mean, you're in a couple a screens, I think. If yeah. you're in a dungeon, I mean, you know, you're in a dungeon, you kill an enemy, and you clear a room. There are no more enemies in that room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I meant that it would that stay room. there dead. Like it would yeah, see it. Yeah. That's a little bit. And it would like real time. It would rot. And what that's does he that mean? Mean spirited petty yeah, game. Yeah, I was gonna say. What does he mean by mean, mean spirited and petty? Just like more violent games. Yeah, or more yeah, blood and I, I guess guts. And especially because this interview uh, that he's done takes place in like the late '90s. So uh, by then we're seeing like a rise in FPSs oh, yeah. and stuff like that too. Carmageddon. And I think he's just more like, hey, like. You know, can right. we go back to making video yeah. games fun? And it's yeah. like, Miyamoto, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, did you have a thought? Well, I was just thinking that if when I when I heard the mean spirit petty thing, I thought he meant more like I guess this is more games around that time period that Zelda came out, but more like gameplay mechanics that that kind of kind of cheap, or you beat a game and it says, yeah, but do it all again before you really beat the game, even though that happened before. But like, later that same day. <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> the same day. Considering the Zelda series as a whole, what themes are you trying to convey? The cover art for the Famicom Legend of Zelda emphasized the feeling of exploration. And I picked this one because I actually think Miyamoto has something to say uh, this time around. As an everyday, uh, an everyday boy gets drawn into a series of incredible events and grows to become a hero. Within that framework, I wanted to create a game where the player could experience the feeling of exploration as he travels around the world, becoming familiar with the history of the land and the natural world he inhabits. That is reflected in the title, The Legend of Blank. He includes the blank. I don't. Uh, but I think that that's like a neat reason for why he would call the series The Legend of Zelda and like that, that whole framework. But then goes on to add, adventure games and RPGs are games where you advance the story through dialogue alone. 
but we wanted players to actually experience the physical sensation of using a controller and moving the character through the world. We wanted dungeons to be explorable with a simple mapping system. These and similar ideas were what we wanted to experiment with in Zelda. These themes are carried fo- forward in the Super Famicom Zelda as well. I think he's mis... He he's not entirely giving an accurate description of what an RPG is. Like I think he's selling it short. I I think yeah. I think when he's talking about RPG, there he's probably more thinking like just tabletop yeah. gaming and, just and like this is talking, weird. Be- but you're talking about action. And this is weird too because now at that interview point we are in like ninety three ninety four and so like there are like Dragon Quests and Final Fantasy out there so there is like another way right. to do RPGs but. I, you know, I still, I, I like his, like, justification, too, for, like, how, like, gaming is, like, a different form of, of role-playing than, uh, you know, than tabletop gaming. And, like, both are valid ways, but here's what we try to do differently in video games. And so just very briefly, this one isn't so much about Zelda, but I stumbled upon it uh, on the Legend of Zelda developer interviews for the NES Classic. This one is about the NES and what the NES, specifically the NES, means to Miyamoto, Tezuka, and um, Koji Kondo. And I thought that, that was interesting to hear like their thoughts on it because we're always talking about what the NES means to us. So uh, Miyamoto describes it as one word, competition. I've been in the design world since my student days, so I'm extremely aware of how important it is in competition to put forth the best possible performance within certain conditions. In that sense, the NES was competitive hardware. Do we do we think of the NES ever as competition? Not really. To me, it's just like what existed. Right. I, I think like in in a way, it almost like it dominated. Yeah. You know, I think of it as more like domination. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are they talking about like? Economic com- competition, or are we talking about like multiplayer games playing against each other? Competition. He's talking more like competition in the, in the first sense, like like the fact that like the competition between like games that you could make on the NES versus games you could make on a computer and games you could make on the Sega Master System. Okay, you know, and like that the NES was like now entering the foray and was going to like establish a name for Nintendo as like a, a video game console maker, not just a heart, not just an arcade yeah. uh, maker. Uh, I think another part where um, for Kondo, he goes, it's kind of a basis. I've always worked in video game music and I think it's thanks to the NES. So for, uh, for him, in the days of the NES, I learned how to compose video game music and about the importance of sound effects. Then, along with the development of hardware, the sounds improved in quality and we were able to use a greater variety of sounds. But when it comes to the essence of composing game music, the crucial elements haven't changed at all. In that respect as well, I owe it to the NES that I'm able to write all kinds of music today. Really interesting to think that he didn't have much of a music background before the NES. Right, it's a it's a very unique path in the yeah. in the musical do, career path. I do think that having those limitations, you know, causes a lot of creativity, though, especially when you're writing music. Like when I'm doing the chiptune stuff, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you have you only have four tracks to do it with, so you have to be really specific with what you want to do, and it forces you to think in a certain way. And when you have to think in a certain way, you kind of find 
like ways around obstacles that you wouldn't normally think about. It makes sense why he's such a good video game music composer and why someone who like, and not saying that like normal musicians can't come on and, you know, try and mm-hmm. score video games. Because they, they just, have. <laughs> right. They definitely have. And, and some of them are great. But I think like, you know, when you, when your whole life has been around just designing video game soundtracks, you come up with these, you know, weird quirks and ways of thinking about music to Sam's point that you wouldn't have thought about if you were coming from like a more like, you know, a rock and roll background or a classical background. So that is even, interesting. Even like mm-hmm. like a film, even if you're scoring films, I mean, imagine like you got you got to think about in, in video games, you got to think about things being loopable or, or like making, you know, making sense in an action environment and not, yeah. you know, not kind of overtaking. Right, Led Zeppelin wasn't worried about how their song would sound over <laughs> right, and over right. and over again. Uh, and then last but not least, I think Tezuka sums it up best how most of our listeners probably feel. Tezuka thinks of it as a magic box. It's a single device, but by changing cartridges, you can play something different. Different software <laughs> provides different experiences. It's so small, but the NES Classic Edition is another magic box. I mean, yeah. Tezuka with the promo language there. Yeah, that's what I kind of got at the end. Um, and and I will link this whole um, this whole article and interview into the show notes because Miyamoto then goes on a long rant about baseball on NES. Haunted. As if, yeah, which is. Uh, but he, he goes into this long ranting, rant dude. about it and how proud he is of it. Like, and like his sense of responsibility for it. And I'm like, okay, dude, now it's 2017. We really <laughs> should not be looking back fondly at any as baseball anymore. Legend of Zelda does get a direct sequel for the uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Legend of Zelda 2, Very Adventure divisive. of Link. Yeah. And uh, it's completely different than Legend of Zelda 1. So we will be playing that, and I'm sure we'll... Um, you know, we'll all just love that one too, right, guys? <laughs> uh, I'm actually looking forward to that one almost more because I've heard so so much about how different it is, and I really don't know what to expect. I know I know one one major element. Yeah, of it, yeah. But... And obviously, like this this thing's been like so many games after that too. There's like you know besides like other just mainline games, there's a bunch of different you know like there's Hyrule Warriors now, which is a Muso style game but yeah. with Legend of Zelda characters. There's uh, Triforce Heroes, which is with three people you know three people with 3DSs playing Gal- together. Link's Soul Caliber Two. Soul Caliber Two. Yes, yeah. Link shows up in that one too. And there's so many different ways that people think about Link now too. Like I think of Link as the Soul Caliber Two look. You know, like that adult Link that we see in like. Even the Super Smash Brothers games, but like other people think of him as like the cell shaded uh, Wind Waker, and other people think of him as like this young little boy in Legend of Zelda and Link to the Past, yeah. or or like big burly Link from <laughs> Legend of Zelda Future yes. Nine. Uh, uh, all right, I'll, yeah. I'll go. I'll go for a spinoff. I want to see one that is linear with branching story paths. Oh, okay. we haven't, we haven't gotten that. that at all. That's interesting, but yeah, I, I, I know imagine. people disagree you want, like, with that. Telltale's Legend of Zelda. Uh, no, no, not like that. But just <laughs> like yeah. like decisions that you like decisions that you make decide what dungeon you go to or something. Okay, you know, and not like. But then you're locked out of other things because of that choice. Yeah. Okay. But there's an, but so there's enough that crime. it doesn't matter, and enough Street's that you can replay over. it in a different way. Yep. And then at the end, it just winds up like Mass Effect Three. Oof, like, yeah, gonna... like like all these amazing <laughs> no. pets, and then at the end, it's just like yeah, but the Crucible. <laughs> um, okay, and then the Legend of Zelda also had a TV show. Uh, yes, the Legend of Zelda TV show with just 
like honestly, we should have a podcast where we just talk about the show itself. Like that should just be a thing. We all just watch the first season and just go over it. The but, whole season? Yeah, the whole How about season. The first episode. You really only need five minutes to get a grasp <laughs> on it. Uh, all you need to know is, well, excuse me, princess, because yeah, that is a, Link's catchphrase. There's a reason he doesn't talk in the games. <laughs> yeah. Right. It is insane that they gave him a voice well, and then also had him be like, yeah, he's like a, he's like a snarky guy. Or? Yeah, he's he's very like a snarky, snarky, snarky guy from California. It's almost like <laughs> Peter Parker just took on like you know Link's clothes and wound up in Hyrule because he's like trying to do that even during the fights. He's, and he's very like a little bit pissed off. Yeah, yeah, very weird. Um, and Ganon is you know is also kind of like you know this weird. He's this weird blend of like pig and human. You know, so he's not quite Ganondorf, still more Ganon, but he also talks and does a bunch of stupid well, he looks garbage. Sort of like- Piggy humany in this in this game. Yeah, no, I guess I just meant more like you know it's weird to hear him talking too, and oh, like okay. you know like Does he, he almost, wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. he should be winking. <laughs> Why don't they wink? Zero out of ten. <laughs> um, all right, we're almost done. Zelda Legend of Zelda is available on every kind of version you can think of too. It's virtual console, Including everything. The Life of Luxury Edition. What is the life of love? Oh yes, the That's new version. It. The the the, uh, the auto cheat version. Yeah, the new version that just came out for Nintendo Switch Online, Legend of Zelda SP edition. Yeah, uh, as as we're as of this recording, it just came out. Well, as of this recording, it just came out. And you know, I promised myself I wouldn't say that too, so I wouldn't date this episode. But yeah. whatever, you guys oh, know when we filmed it now. Sorry. Anyway, that version just lets it to this way. All the optional stuff in the game that you can get before you ever go into any of the dungeons, you just have. At the very start of the game, so this way you can just go through the dungeons and, uh, you know, clean house. Max rupees, too. Yeah, I, I don't understand necessarily, like, why they did this, but I don't hate it. It's a separate load, too, if that makes anybody feel better. So, like, you actually have to pick the SP version. That's good. Instead of, like, you know, the regular files. This way there's, like, a reason to do both. It's like, I can do it this way, I can do it that way. I just hope they didn't do it because they thought, like, kids today won't want to bother with it. Because, it's like, that totally defeats the purpose. And it's only been 30 years. Kids have not changed that much in 30 Our years. Our expectations have changed. Yeah, exactly. And, that, but I, if it is, it is a, a sign of what our expectations are now. Interesting. I, I, I agree with that, though. I do understand that, like... There's a there's a different way to playing video games now, but I still yeah. think that like if you if you had a kid sit down with this game, they would be able to figure this stuff out without yeah. any like you know because they're if they're playing the SP version, they're still willing to play the the game. So it's not like sure. an unwillingness to play; they're still willing to play. I the just game. have this image, and maybe I'm just like being a grouchy old man, but I just have this image of uh, in my head of this kid, and he just starts off in the regular game. He's like, where's my sword? This game is stupid. And then he just smashes the controller, and he uh, he goes upstairs. Yeah, I imagine one of our listeners was like, hey, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the, the last thing that I want to talk about, because no one really knows about this, uh, Zelda BS. Does, that, does, any, does this ring a bell to anybody? Zelda BS is for the Satellaview, which was an add-on for the Japanese Super Famicom, where it was basically like the first DLC, where you basically paid a monthly subscription fee, and then for an hour, this game would be live. Like You could only play it for that specific hour because it was transmitting the data during that time. But it translated... The original Legend of Zelda game, what a lot of people now call the third quest, because it is like very 
there are some small differences between this, the second quest, and the third quest, which is what the one that the Satella view is referring to, where it is the original Legend of Zelda game with the combat and all in the overworld style and all the enemies and the layout's the same, but it's done in, like, the Link to the Past style, similar to, like, Super Mario All-Stars. You know, like how Super Mario All-Stars remastered those? There's this Super Nintendo version that, like, no one can really play, except for me. I managed to uh, get a hold of this one. Uh, you can you can also buy a it. reproduction cart uh, of these online, but you're not funding anyone other than the guy who makes the repo cart. So questionable if you want to do that. And it's also like it's not fully fleshed out, so I don't know if it's worth playing. It's not a Super Mario All Stars necessarily, but it's neat that they have this right. Sixteen bit original yeah. Legend of Zelda. It's neat that you have that, Mike. <laughs> well, I don't own it. <laughs> uh, in fact, nobody can own that game if you think about it, because the Satella view, like you couldn't even transfer that data to your cartridge. You needed to just be online at that specific time. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's also it makes sense that it failed. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Satella view in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What like, does the BS stand for? You know, bullshit. that's like a, it's a, <laughs> it's a, like yeah. I know it sounds like bullshit, but it's actually like a Japanese thing. Uh, okay. Like the BS does stand for something, but not something I can tell you. And by me saying the third quest, I realized we completely skipped over the second quest, but I think that we've skipped over that for a good reason, because that is kind of like an entirely another way to play this game. Maybe one day we'll do like a fun bonus episode where we talk about the second quest. And it's just, just like, the same thing, just rearranged, right? Yeah, it's rearranged, but it's also like, you know, you can get that anyway, too. You can have like a ROM hack make a randomizer for you, you know, you where go. you can just have everything spread out differently. You could do the third quest, fourth quest, fifth quest, sixth quest. But I think it is nice that they included this as an option because it is... You know, it is fun in the sense that you know everything you need to do, but the order that you find these things, the enemies, the layout, you know, the dungeons are different. So I think that that's kind of cool that they decided to do that in a sense of like, okay, so I know I need the magic sword, but it's not where it should be. Or like, I know I need to get the, you know, to get this thing to do that, but it it's not in that location. I think that's pretty neat that they went with that design choice. It's different than like when Super Mario Brothers finished and at the end of the game, all you do is press B to like cho choose which world you want to go to. In this sense, it's like, how about a whole new world? A whole right. new world. Especially back in the time when you you only had so many games to play. <laughs> you only had so many games to play. So you were like, oh, I, I get more. I can. You would have more time to sit down and play through Legend of Zelda again. And Nowadays, you would be charged for the second quest, right? You know, <laughs> so it's nice that they included it. Nowadays, you'd be charged for the middle of the first quest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're out of ideas. So with that, it's time for the essential games list. All right, it's time for the essential games list, guys. Um, you don't have. You know, we've been talking so much about this game. I'm not asking for essays. You know, you can vote if you want to. You can say something fun. You can shout out to mom. Whatever it takes. Just tell me, is Legend of Zelda worth playing today? Sean? I abstain. Wow. I, um, <laughs> no, I, yeah. No, I mean, it's still definitely worth playing today. Uh, it's, uh, it, uh, one thing I forgot to mention, and this is, this is very small, but it's got my favorite heads up display so far, where it's got like all the information you need right there. Um, and uh, you know that's that's what put it over the edge on the <laughs> games list. Nice, but it is essential. Yeah, Joe. All right, so I am afraid that I do have a little bit of an essay. I'm ready. Um, and and it uh, we already talked about the game play and the design and everything, so I want to talk about something a little different. Um, 
The pause sound. The pause sound. <laughs> the pause. I actually don't even know if I ever paused this game. Select but... pauses. That's why. You <laughs> oh, that's hit that what button. does it. Yeah. Um, but you know, no, we. The game has such a level of freedom and exploration, and like you explore to find your way, and you explore to. Like I like I mentioned earlier, you feel like you are thrown into this world that just exists around you. It doesn't exist for you. Um, so it, it, that kind of like lets you project yourself onto the onto the character and onto the situation. And I know that there is a story in the manual, but it it really feels like you're kind of telling your own story. Like it, it feels like you experienced this because you you choose your path and you you know you decide while you're playing like you know what's link thinking right now you know what i mean like there's no cut scenes or there's no there's not even a voice right like there's not a voice you you, you, you are that character right. you, and you you name them exactly and like like i said you you can have different experiences from your friends um i'm sure a lot of people relate to this but when i was a kid i, I felt the need to make everything an adventure in my head. Like, every, like I, I wanted to feel like everything was, you know, I was going on some crazy adventure, and this game really gives you that feeling. When you went to school, was that an adventure? It was an adventure was in my head, imaginary. An adventure I actually, Even for, like, in second grade during recess, I would actually, like, my brother happened to, like, have recess with me too, and he's my younger brother, and we would, um, we would actually do, like, Legend of Zelda. <laughs> for recess, you know, like like not playing it either, just pretend it, like LARPing it. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all had that phase, right? Oh yeah, for a long time. Yeah, probably too long. <laughs> but um, I think that as much as I love like a like a a thick plot and a you know a <laughs> a lot of character arcs and twists and turns and everything, and, and granted there are there is a plot in this game, but it's subtle. So it, it That's I think the reason I the reason I like that stuff. Is because I I want to I want to be a storyteller, so it's it's cool to to kind of feel like you're you're telling the story. I guess to sum it all up, I think that this game works so well because it it like pairs with your imagination, which a lot of games don't do as well anymore. Uh, and I think that that's on top of the gameplay and on top of the design. That's like the biggest reason that makes this essential. All right, there you have it. Uh, two votes that puts it in. But Sam, let's hear some thoughts. All right, so when. I first heard that we were playing Metroid in 1987 and got really excited. And then when we played Metroid, I'd still voted it essential, but I was kind of underwhelmed by, like, you know, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be. And it was a little bit, like, frustrating, and there were some parts that I didn't, I wasn't really crazy about. And ha that was the last game that we played going into this one. But when we went into, when I started playing this one, it was immediately, like, I could tell this is, like, I knew immediately it was essential, you know? It was just, like Joe was saying, I mean, you kind of hit everything. It's, uh, there's just like a, fe a feeling of freedom that you get with this game where you have to just figure stuff out on your own and you know that maybe I can get past these guys this time, you know, but maybe they'll, they'll probably kill me because they're really strong. And these are, there are all these different things that you just have to kind of figure out how to play the game. And if you want to, you can say, okay, I can sneak by these guys. And you can just, you can play it however you want. To like you know to a certain, uh, to a certain extent, and the fact that they're like this kind of game didn't ever exist before it like in this like built this way, uh -huh. you know, is just I I don't know it's just it's a brilliant game. The core mechanics of it are just very solid, and it's a really fun game. I would say that even if you're not like 
like the I know that the essential games list is for like if you want to play the NES, like these are the games that you should play. Mm-hmm. But I would say that everyone should play this game at least for a little bit. There you have it. Another yes vote. All right. I'll try to make this a little brief, but I think like one thing to note is first off, the length of this episode and we still haven't covered it all. Think about it. Like I had to like briefly assign about the second quest. We didn't talk about like how neat it was that you could save. Like think about how many games we've complained about right. that you can't save. And now we finally have one that you can. And it's like, yeah, we'll just mention that at the very top and then forget about it. I I, I instead, since we're talking about the essential games list, I kind of want to throw this back to Breath of the Wild for a minute and talk about like a lot of people right now will have that as like, you know, their game of like 2017 their game of the decade maybe it's their favorite game of all time now it's so interesting having played uh legend of zelda first then breath of the wild and now coming back to legend of zelda it's so interesting to see like how these games that are 30 years apart from each other more than 30 years i think um yeah 31 years apart from each other are still like so good for two completely different reasons. One is completely redefining how modern games should be played, and the other one completely redefined how modern games should play in its time, you know? And yet they find such they find core similarities in just the the way that they let players explore, experiment, try different things. And like, yes, there are other games that let you explore a world. There are other games that let you fail and try different ways. There are other games that don't give you such obvious clues. But the difference is that the way that the game, the way that the gameplay, the story, the control of of you in, you know, on this character that's never been done before either one of those two games, you know? Like, Legend of Zelda did it in a way that no one had done it before, and so, yes, there will be games that come after it, but the fact that, like, the games that come after it can only really ever be just as good, you know? Or, like, oh, they do this specific thing better, but they're lacking in this area, you know? It's like, we're gonna see Zelda likes that just, like, don't quite like you know they almost feel like cheap imitations you know we're gonna see that and yes there are there are better things you know like something comes to mind for me is like binding of isaac where it's like that's just a dungeon like that's just the dungeons of legend of zelda made into like a full game where it's randomized and you never know what's gonna happen right it's like that's the idea behind that and that's like a great execution on that but that game can't exist without legend of zelda and now with breath of the wild you have like this whole like when we say you can go anywhere, we mean it, you know, and it's like still that hasn't like, you know, give it some time, but that hasn't been done in games since yeah. like the ability to actually just go wherever you want. And like you could go straight to the ending right from the beginning. There are many games where the map is wide open, but please. No, continue. no, no. I'm saying like, you know, because like if you can scale it, like you see that mountain, like you can scale it. And, that, and that's like it right from the very start of the game. Like there's no item required i'm saying like does a game let you do that i I mean like grand theft auto any open world game is like that isn't it grand uh, grand theft auto like i'm saying like they don't lock any like immediately when you start the game you can go into anything and do that thing like you're not locked behind like missions i think in grand theft auto 5 you can just sort of 
right around to the entire map or, someone, or even like just cause two the whole map's open but i'm, I'm not trying to de- no, derail no, no, not, what you're talking I, I, about that's not what i'm saying yeah. i am saying all i'm saying is is that i think the difference between breath of the wild and like a just cause two is like in breath of the wild the the story can be completed in any particular way so like you the can just story. head right to okay. no no but involving too like the idea that like if you see it you can go to it it's like well, the castle's where all the stuff's going down, so I'm just going to run right there and do it. I don't think you can do that in Just Cause 2 and uh, Grand Theft Auto because I think like there's certain missions that need to be completed and certain things that need to be done before you can get to certain parts in the game. Whereas like Breath of the Wild says, like, you want to go to that dungeon? Go to that dungeon. You want to go to that dungeon first? Go to that dungeon. Like it, there, there's, a, there's a freedom of opportunity to go anywhere and do anything. Okay. That like games haven't done yet, but I'm sure games will eventually be like that climbing thing that Zelda implemented to make it this way you can scale over any wall. Like we need to have that in our games, you know, like it's going to become a mechanic. I think that like, you know, they worked in the game for seven years and we haven't seen it yet done elsewhere because like it's going to take some time to implement that. But the same way that like we're not going to see another Legend of Zelda clone for a while. We're not going to see another one in 87 for sure. But eventually, they're going to start coming out, and we're going to be like, oh, now people are finally catching on. This game sold 2 million copies by 1989, you know, it's like, or or 88. 2 million copies, like, and it's still selling copies, and if you look at Nintendo Power, even when the Super Nintendo was out, it was on top 10 lists, you know, like, still as bestsellers. Like, that's like a testament to, like, people would buy this game, and it would just be something you needed to have for this system. So, of course, it's essential. (laughs) It's essential because everybody who has an NES probably thinks, like, if they don't own this game, it's, like, at least on their list of something they need to buy. It's not a rare game by any means. You go on eBay, you bid for it, you know, you get it. Like, you find it at a, you know, you probably don't find it at a garage sale, to Joe's point, because everybody's holding on to their copy. Like, this is a game that people still want to play today, and... It's not so short that um, that it's not, like, worth getting, but it's also not so long that it's not worth trying. Like, you know, you might not finish the game. That might, like, to Sean's point, you know, he was playing as long as he could, and then he just, like, he hit a, he hit a wall, and he was like, uh, you know, I'll, someday I'll come back to this game, but for right now, this is my story. It's like, that's an appropriate way to yeah. play this game, too, is, like, play up to what you can. Yeah, I think this game is satisfying to beat, but... It's also satisfying not, to play. Yeah, it's not unsatisfying if you don't beat it. It's right. still satisfying to have played it. I think. Yeah, I think that's like a huge testament to the game too. Is that like if you get stuck at any particular point, it's like, yeah, and that was like kind of the idea was that you would get stuck, you would try new mm-hmm. things. Like, yeah, playing weird the game that it becomes good... acceptable when it's implemented the right way. Yeah, playing the game is the good part of the game. Which yeah. I think is cool. Right, right, which is you know? cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like there's a part where it's like, oh, it's this part. This part sucks. This but then was... again, we talked about the game for a very long time now, and talking about it was just as fun. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's it, unless Joe... Small clarification I want to make on my... I, I said that uh, the story is subtle. And I mean the story... Well, you're pl- what's being told you while you're playing. I was going to say that's a very generous because, description of because the story. This, this sto- I saw the look and I was like, okay, the story in in the manual is anything but subtle. Yeah, but the story that you are telling yourself while playing it is subtle. Like they, they, it's a, yes, yeah. it's another it's another Breath of the Wild note. You know where it's like that game has like I think twelve cutscenes total, which is twelve more than the original Legend of Zelda. But I think a lot of people complained about the lack of a story, and it's like, why don't you just come up with your own story? 
And that is all the time we have for this episode of Nostalgia. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. We uh, we definitely made this one an extra, an XL version. Uh, I'd like to also apologize to everybody about my uh, my sickness. Um, I'm sure that was distracting, but uh, it was it, it just had to be, you know. Sometimes you're just sick. Yeah. You know, I'm sure like for that one listener who's like, actually, I'm never sick. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> well tell us be. what you take. Yeah. Because it's it's just Because if, if it's just Zycam, then I guess I should do that. You know, there's like those shots that you can get. This is not a promo for anything, but yeah. there's like those allergy shots you can get. But you have to take them for like years before they like really oh. kick Aren't in. Those just for yeah. like cats. I think they're just for allergies. Like you know, I think yeah, like for allergies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, not a promo for the allergy people. <laughs> what a way to end uh, this yeah. whole <laughs> <laughs> um, <Zelda> episode. <laughs> and you know what else uh, I like to check out for years and years www.nostalgicast.com. That's the place where you can find. It's still up there. You yep. inject it straight into your arm. What? You can't inject it straight. Yeah, you're your gonna. You just take a USB <laughs> and inject it straight into your arm. Please don't do that. Uh, I think if you say please yeah. don't do that and someone does it, they can't sue you. Yeah, it's true. Right. Because you told them not to. This is a, this yeah, is you're gonna need a thunderbolt things. cable. You know, I don't even have to ex- finish my other point because I already said the name of the website, so they know that there's yeah, stuff so there. On it. I don't have to tell them what's but there. But where can they find you on the Twitter? They, they could find. Us on Twitter at at nostalgicast.com. And you can find me at Esposito Film on Twitter. That's what I meant. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye.